Fake news. Mr. President. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Mr. President. I just want to have one thing to say. Mr. President, I'm trying to get a word edgewise here. Fake news put out Mr. President, it's not. It's not fake news just because you don't like it. A few days ago, fake news Enough! Each and every Tuesday, the Journey into Comics Network brings you the real news with the poor of poor, with the late breaking news that really matters. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast about everything nerd. With your hosts, Nate Phillips and Brandon Stone. We've come a long way from the Prime Minister's exploding cake. Or have we? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics, episode 189. I am your host, Nate, and today I am joined by my very special guest. She averages out to about... One appearance every 10 or 11 episodes. <laughs> Last week would have been the 10th, uh, or like the perfectly 10, but uh, welcome back again to Journey into Comics. V, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here today. Um, we're not really going to waste any time like catching up and bullshitting because there's one thing on everyone's mind. Infin- this week, yeah. Yeah, Infinity War just dropped. Um, I've seen it twice. We went and saw it premiere night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do something kind of different today, folks. You're going to hear a lot of different people across the network on this one episode, very much like Infinity War. It's going to kind of be piecemealed together in a very Mm -hmm. interesting... Everyone has their own segments. Correct, in a very interesting way. We're all telling the story in our own way. So uh, first and foremost, I want to mention that we are going to do a segment that's spoiler-free, so you guys are all going to have the opportunity to at least get our opinions of the movie without us giving any of the plot details away, Without spoiling any of the crazy surprises that are in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, it's just an opportunity for us to, uh, you know, give you what we think. So, anyways, I want to know, V, right out of the gate, thoughts on this movie? What things did you like? What things did you not like? Um, within the bigger picture and, and not all the details. Well, I told you when we saw it that I thought this was probably the best Marvel movie that's come out yet to date, and you agreed with me, right? Absolutely, it's fantastic this movie kind of i i said it on a facebook post it does a really good job of being three movies in one movie right it's it's telling separate storylines simultaneously uh throughout the whole thing what which are also interwoven by like obviously one very specific character thanos which is thanos and his his first appearance. I liked how they did that though, because uh, it gave a lot of different act, like um, it gave a lot of different characters opportunities to m- interact with other characters that they haven't introduced to each other yet. You know, totally. Like with Guardians and uh, Tony Stark, and like I don't know. We'll get into the spoilers. Yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you want, what you mean to say is the first time interactions with a lot of these different characters. And showing up in places you wouldn't expect or you haven't seen them yet. Right. That was really cool. And epic in and of itself. It made itself. it feel different and less formulaic, less like a, a typical Marvel movie. Definitely, definitely. They're, it's definitely evolving and worth watching. Yes. So right now you and I are recording from nowhere. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's, uh, we'll get into, there's another one of those coming up later. I can't wait for. 
um, from space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, okay, that's for if you've seen the movie. <laughs> so overarching, I want your opinion of this movie, as in like, um, okay, I'll go first in this to give you kind of what I what I'm okay how I feel. So when I think about this movie, without spoiling any of the details within it, I think about the bigger picture and I think about what I can say, and I think Thanos is a very driven character. He is very cerebral. He's one of your favorite villains, yeah? He's Wasn't my, he in your pick, your comic book pick? He's my all-time favorite Marvel villain. Yeah. I mean, So you've been jazzed on this movie for a long time. Okay, uh, yeah, back in 2012 when he was turning around and just grinning mm-hmm. and uh, was a nobody, essentially. You it know? was kind of shitty CGI, yeah? Yeah, they were, not, <laughs> they, you know, they were uncertain of what exactly... I mean, they. I think they knew and they had a plan. Obviously, uh, you know, the movie in Avengers is set as... Thanos sends Loki to Earth to retrieve the Tesseract. They already have the Mind Stone. I guess Thanos didn't realize that. He had two of the stones already at that point. Like, almost didn't realize it or whatever, but obviously Loki's thwarted. Mm -hmm. The Tesseract is not sent to Thanos. Mm -hmm. And, well... It was sent to Asgard, right? Correct. So then what gets set in motion next is in Age of Ultron, right? Mm -hmm. And... Tony touches the scepter and gets the visions of the future where everybody's down and dead. Ooh, yeah, that was dark. And he he's haunted by that. And mm-hmm. we'll get into that later as well. And then, of course, Thanos in that movie, fine, I'll do it myself, and grabbing the gauntlet for the first time, mm-hmm. knowing, oh, my God, he's on his mission. Like, we're about to get into this, you know. Mm-hmm. Then the next time we see him is in Guardians. Mm-hmm. Or actually, I think it was, well, it may, I think it might have been the other way around, actually. He was in Guardians first, then Avengers came out right after. Okay. Yeah. Guardians, September 14. Avengers, May of 15. Okay. That's my math. Anyways, <laughs> I think quote the, him on that. overall this movie is, I've, I said it to dad when we went in to go see it yesterday. <laughs> I prefaced it to you guys before we saw it on Thursday. It's brutal. Yeah, that was a brutal movie. It's, but going into it knowing that it was brutal, I felt more prepared. Yeah, because it allows you to kind of get immersed in... Okay, well, shit's gonna go wrong, or mm-hmm. you know, things might not go how we were expecting. This is what to. we've been waiting for, people. <laughs> and it definitely does a great job to just give like a rapid review. Mm-hmm. I think it's a perfect movie because it really. Does, well, and let me explain why. It touches on drama. It touches on comedy. It gives you heartbreak. It makes you think the absolute worst thing could happen. And takes it away in an instant. And and then it, in the exact opposite, you think that nothing bad could happen. And gut-wrenching moments happen. Mm-hmm. It leaves you consistently on the edge of your seat. And This I, movie was totally full throttle from the beginning. From the It was jump. like, oh, okay, here we are. It's on. Yeah, and like, it didn't stop. It's almost a three-hour movie we sat through. And it doesn't feel like it. No, it didn't feel like it. Like you're just immersed in it, and I was super pissed that I we waited so long, you know, before the movie to start because we wanted to make sure we got good seats. So like all my snacks were gone before the movie even started. We were talking about that, yeah. <laughs> we should actually talk about that too before we actually get deep into because at some point, folks, like I said, we are going to give away spoilers. We're going to be like, hey, at this point, you should probably stop listening. Yeah, yeah, or, we'll cue. You, yeah, we'll, we'll give cue you a cue. You'll understand how it's all going to work. So we could talk about the movie going experience because there were some interesting things that happened. 
conversations. People were nerding out all around us. The vibe was mm-hmm. very energetic with nerddom and happiness and excitement for this movie. Yeah, everybody um, was super jazzed to be there. It was a very raucous crowd, though. Yeah, it was hard to hear some of the, like, during the comedic parts when everybody was laughing. It was hard to pick up on any of the lines after. And here's one thing. I was, but it made uh, it fun, you know. It was interesting, too, because every time one of the major characters made their first appearance on screen, the crowd popped. Yeah. Like, everybody, you included, everybody oh, was clapping. Yeah. And you have to. When Wakanda showed up, I was like, they're in Wakanda. Fuck yeah. Let's go. Yeah, like, everybody it's time, was cheering. You know? Like, the movie is, it just. That was a fun movie to go see, but it was definitely brutal, so be prepared for that. Yeah, and it's weird because, and maybe, I, I don't know if I'm like, um, the darkness in me because of how much I love Thanos and his story. Seeing it a second time made it solidified how much I believe in this movie mm-hmm. as the first of all, it's the perfect Marvel movie um, because it ties so many. I mean, we'll get it again. No spoilers right now, but there are so many things they tie in across the board, across the whole spectrum of Marvel mm-hmm. from little one liners that were set in other movies to major moments. You never expected to happen to surprise appearances that blow your fucking mind like Mm -hmm. they they just they hit it on the head uh i feel like at this point though it would be silly to say like oh a casual moviegoer wouldn't know what they were getting into i don't think a casual moviegoer would go to see that with the expectation of knowing everything like they would almost just go okay let me get immersed in whatever the story is if they don't know the right yeah you don't you don't have to have seen any of the other movies to you know, take away something from this movie. Exactly. Like you could get lost in that story regardless mm-hmm. of it was knowing good. the ins and outs. And I know that because dad missed like three of the most important Marvel movies. Oh he yeah. He missed Black Panther. He missed Civil War and he missed Doctor Strange. Oh damn. Now they're all on me, obviously, because I'm the <laughs> one that shows him stuff. But he, I thought he had told me he had seen Civil War and I had thought we tried to watch Doctor Strange and he just wouldn't get into it. He like didn't believe mm. that it was going to be an awesome movie. Doctor it, Strange was an awesome it, movie. It definitely starts slow and then when it, it picks up... And I love Doctor like, Strange oh. in Infinity War. Absolutely. Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing. And that's yeah. another thing too. They're so clever how they utilized that cast. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. The way they orchestrate this movie is... They've hit their stride, that's for sure. But like, not only did they... their prime. I mean... Cinematic history, the way they told this narrative, it's never been done like that before on such a grandiose scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of star power in that movie. I mean, there was a, there was actually a surprise star that makes an appearance in that movie that did no press for this movie, could not talk about his role or do anything of the like with this movie. And when you find out who it is, you're just like, what the, f- how in the... That's crazy, you know what I'm saying? So, anyways, raucous crowd, they're clapping and cheering and going crazy. But it was awesome. The whole experience was great. There was maybe one or two moments, like, um, there's the trailer moment, so this is not a spoiler, this is something people have seen. The trailer moment where Quill is talking to Tony. Yeah. And he goes, your plan is good, Except it sucks, so maybe I should do the plan, and then it might be really good. Right. And the kids behind us were, like, loudly quoting it, and I was like, you're kind of taking me out of it, guys. Like, shut up. But I was, yeah, I didn't want to snap at them, because they were super cool before the movie, nerding out, and 
you know, asking questions because it seemed like I knew what I was talking about, at least in some capacity. And, yeah. You know, I'd given my loose um, uh, opinions. You being but, the social butterfly. Yeah, well, that's who I am. But I, what do you think on the flip? <laughs> I've called this movie essentially flawless and how it delivers its narrative and it serves a purpose and can be taken from any aspect. I also feel like it's it's safe to say that now there's not really many people out there, I think, that haven't seen this, the Marvel Universe. Like, Right. I mean, two... who already hasn't, se- who hasn't seen Infinity War yet? I mean... Do you want the numbers before you give your review, or do you want the Actually, review? we haven't even talked about the numbers. You were telling me that this is, like, one of the biggest movies in history or something. Let's bring up this historic shit, because this, this is, like... They beat all, like, all the records. They dish... No, 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 no. For most of this, they destroyed records. Some of it, they barely beat records. So it's very interesting. Um, Okay, that's the international. I want the... All the records Infinity War has broken so far. Thanks so much to our friends over at comicbook.com for calling up this article where it's all the source material for all the news we want to cover. So let's break it down. It opened on Thursday... $39 $39 million. Opening night. Opening night on Thursday. Uh, the next night it does $106 million on Friday, opening day. Mm-hmm. Uh, 81 on Saturday and 61 on Sunday. So it hits $250 million domestic, mm-hmm. beating The Force Awakens. The biggest, like, oh my God, Star Wars is coming back, man. Right. And Avengers just topped that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. So that's pretty incredible, but here's the here's the full breakdown of everything they have done. To recap, Infinity War is now the record holder of biggest domestic opening of all time, biggest international opening of all time, biggest superhero opening of all time, biggest Saturday of all time in North America, biggest Sunday of all time in North America, biggest opening of all time in seven other international markets and it still has not yet released in the second largest market, China. Oh, wow. And Russia. Damn. Which is the 14th largest market. So this movie is... It's on track to make blowing a fuck ton of money. <laughs> records away, I mean, before this is all said and done. And it's... I mean, it received an A from CinemaScore. Rotten Tomatoes heralded it as certified fresh. It gets like 89%. Mm. Uh I don't think I've seen very many people say sour things about this movie, but the people that do, like, I want to just address this really quick. The people that do are kind of like, they seem like they're just haters because they don't say anything of substance. And then, like, you give them, you substantiate and go, hey, what you're saying, I appreciate your opinion. But, however, here's proof in the movie that what you're saying is definitely not true. Like, here's all this cool character building and backstory and where all this interconnectivity lies. And they go, oh, that's not true. That didn't happen in the movie at all. What? Now you're just talking crazy. Like, you're mm-hmm. not hearing what's actually going on. And that's you. Hater's gonna hate. Exactly. Hater's gonna hate. So anyways, are you a hater of this movie? What do you think? <laughs> well, on that note, um, no, I'm not a hater on this movie. I, I enjoyed this movie. I'd see it again. Um, I'd even go so far as saying I'd see it again in theaters. Which I don't typically do. I think we've know. done that for... We actually did it for Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. We did not do it for Last Jedi. No. We saw that. Well, I saw it twice, but you did I not only see saw it twice. Once. Yeah, you know, well. Get busy and whatnot. But anyway, uh, yeah. I liked this movie. I would probably give it like an A-. minus. 
A minus. Yeah, yeah, it's getting the minus just because I felt like it was a little emotionally over the top, like trying to manipulate, you know, emotions. And it was just like certain things were just like, okay, calm down, guys. It's getting a little treasy, but I don't want to get into any spoilers. Well, guess what? Is it time? Well, t- not for our listeners. Okay. Because now our listeners are going to be taken on a trip. They're going to be visited by the one and the only Andrew Poor. He's going to take over for a few minutes. He's going to give his spoiler-free opinion as well. Then that's going to be followed up by our good friends, Mr. Tyler from Podcastrophe and the Podcast Menace, and our own, the Podmaster himself, co-founder of JIC, Brando. <laughs> Brando. Okay. They're going to be talking <laughs> about it as well. And then Brando. we will be coming back. But we're actually going to just keep talking. We'll, With our spoiler we'll come back. full rendition. Hardcore spoilers. All, right. all, all, all firing away here, folks. So AP, go ahead and take it away. So after coming out of my second screening of Avengers Infinity War, I finally am able to kind of put my thoughts together on how I felt about the film. And it's actually interesting in so many ways. It's able to take the individual aspects of all of the films that came before it and meld them together in a way that I think only the Russo brothers could pull off. The themes, the evolution of characters that were set in stone, especially the arc that Taika... Uh, I'm not going to pronounce it. The director of Thor Ragnarok, the what he established for Chris Hemsworth's Thor going into Thor Ragnarok and then coming out of it into Infinity War. He really I think... If you didn't have Thor Ragnarok in there, Infinity War would have suffered immensely from Thor's character development. As with Hulk. Everyone that was a part of Thor Ragnarok, I think really set a standard. It was able to melt very different character arcs. I mean, you you saw Civil War, you saw the evolution, you saw a Spider-Man Homecoming, and Guardians 2, and you were really able to get all those characters in the same room, essentially, without having conflicting genres or feeling like a bunch of different films stacked together. And it, it, you do kind of get that. They had to... They couldn't obviously put everyone in every scene together. It just logistically wouldn't work, and it would be just a mess. And trying to get schedules of the actors involved, because there's a ton of big-name actors in this film, so you couldn't do it simply by any means. But by splitting the, the group up and having different sets of people that also aren't commonly in the same room together actually made it more it worked better you almost had three separate but together stories with a lot of fluidity between them and I think that was kind of a fantastic aspect of the film and I'm trying to sorry I'm trying to resist saying any spoilers in this section of the review and I'm gonna have a spoiler where I can talk about a lot of the big things that happened and the after credits and all that which I'm sure gonna get in other points of this episode but there's things that I noticed in the first view or things I noticed in the second viewing that I didn't quite see in the first viewing and a lot of it's just like kind of like the subtle like I said the subtle references to the earlier films you see with Spider-Man's character and some of the quips he said in Civil War and stuff he did in Spider-Man Homecoming it just kind of brought some of that stuff forward it really made it Definitely made it more enjoyable. And actually being in a crowded theater because I attended the 6 p.m. fan event. So I got a little intro clip before that was 
a lot of the behind the scenes with the actors together, which was really cool. And I will say, um, Thanos was the main character of that, of the movie without giving anything away. Like his character arc, it's, it's his movie more than it's anyone else, more than it's Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark's movie. Like there's, he's the central character in this. It's not like he's a regulated villain. Like he, like you saw in the first Avengers movie, it was very much Loki is the villain, but it, he wasn't the main character of that. Or in Age of Ultron, you saw that Ultron wasn't the main character, but in Thanos in Infinity War gets so much of a character arc, it's almost like a an origin film for Thanos. You saw how he got to where he came from. You even saw it with Black Panther, you, that Killmonger's character did get some backstory, and you... And that this in Infinity War, you took it up to eleven. So that was definitely something that I feel like people weren't expecting in an already pretty tight film with a large cast. And unfortunately, there had to kind of there's some people that I don't know if it's spoiler to say, but there were some people in the film that you thought were going to be in it that weren't. And you know they'll probably come back in this in the sequel in Avengers Four, whatever that title ends up being. Which I know there's already some names out there, but we'll see what they call it. I'm definitely intrigued by where the story arc takes us into the next one. But yeah, I think it's a movie I want to see at least a couple more times, but unfortunately movie pass decided to screw a lot of people over at the right time and chose that to institute basically the day Avengers infinity war drop to make it. So you can only see the same movie once with movie pass, which I know is a good way for them to prevent people like myself from seeing Avengers every day for a week straight which i can under i can see their side but i feel like it's kind of ridiculous to choose it right at the kickoff of blockbuster season to restrict people especially because when there are things that you can see a movie a day that's in their plan to allow people but i i don't know it's kind of frustrating and i know a lot of new people are turned off from actually getting movie pass now because for all new subscribers they're limited to four movies a year as opposed to one movie a day so I've definitely been abusing my movie pass. I saw, well, I'm also kind of messed myself up because I was planning after my first viewing of Infinity War to see Super Troopers 2. And after I left it for, I'm like, I cannot sit through another movie. I just got to sit here and digest what I watched. So didn't do that. So I bought my ticket already for Super Troopers 2 using movie pass. So when that instated, I got the grayed out. So now I have to, if I want to see Super Troopers 2 in theaters, I have to pay, which is unfortunate but i'm probably gonna go on tuesday and for amc's five dollar tickets and do that but that's getting off point of what i'm talking about today which is avengers infinity war which i'd have to think about it but i think it's probably my favorite mcu film to date it just had so much going on and it had so many bits and pieces it's it's just very much a culmination of and there's no there's no lull in this movie. It's such a fast-paced movie that you're. There's never a point like, how long has this been going on for? How like at the end of the movie, you could have said only an hour had passed, and I would have believed you. It did not feel like a two and a half hour film. Like I'm pretty sure if they kept the same pe- same pace going into Avengers four, it could be a five hour movie, and I don't think I would notice. It was moving so quickly and got through so much, but it didn't feel rushed at the same time. It was just perfectly paced for a story where you knew all of the original information like i saw a review today 
from the New Yorker talking about basically bashing Infinity War for being an MCU movie. Basically saying like they had no, there was no explanation of characters, motives, there was no introduction of these characters, and it just kind of jumped to the story. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the point. It's an 18 year long, not 18 year, an 18 movie long story that's been going on for a decade. I don't need to, you don't need to introduce me to Tony Stark again. I know who he is. I know who all these characters are. Thanos is the only one we don't really know yet. We still have a vague idea of he is because he's been in and out of the last decade of films pretty much since Avengers post credit scene when you see him looking off to this and you see that smile knowing what's coming and he's been in and out ever since. Like, we know who these characters are. I don't think anyone's going to walk into Avengers Infinity War having seen none of the preceding films because they know it's a sequel to a movie just because... And it... I don't know. It's just frustrating that... People who know nothing about these films will review it and be like, "Yeah, it's it didn't it didn't make sense. There was no introduction." I was like, "Well, yeah, you got eighteen movies of that. You have fifty hours of introductions that you can go back and watch at your leisure over a week." But that's beside the point. But the movie's amazing. The visuals are stunning. Same thing with the feel, like. When the Guardians were on screen, it very much had the Guardian style with the colors and the music and the vibe of it. You saw when they were on Earth in New York, you saw the very much the feel of Avengers and of Iron Man and of Doctor Strange. You got that vibe from them. And when they went to Wakanda, which isn't a spoiler because it was in the trailer, it felt very much like I did a couple months ago when I saw Black Panther. It has that same vibe, the same sound, the same visuals. It didn't feel like they... They definitely paid attention to the details that they dropped in earlier films. And it really picks up literally probably a, an hour after the post credit scene from Thor Ragnarok. Like, in the po- if you're listening to this, I'm presuming you've seen, hopefully, everything up to Infinity War. If you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, this might be kind of a spoiler, but you know in the post credit scene of Thor Ragnarok, they're on their ship... And they're staring when they see a giant ship in the distance, and then that's the end of that post credit scene. And that ship is obviously Thanos' ship. And basically when you pick up Avengers Infinity War, there's the ship again. So you know it's just picking up right where it left off, immediately after. And that's kind of the way I want to see a movie. I want you don't need to catch one or anything. You can drop me right back into what's going on. And if I've paid and if you've paid attention or I didn't go through and watch all eighteen movies in rapid succession going into this but i did watch quite a few of them and i've recently rewatched like thor ragnarok and saw black panther recently so it's just i've seen all of them and i remember all of them and it really just you don't need to give me intro drop me right in it's and it's just it's such a payoff and there's so many little details that are like like there was one scene which i'll talk about in the spoiler section where it a hood gets dropped and you're like, holy crap, I cannot believe that's who that is. Like, I was wondering what that was going to be. Or there's just so much worth sharing. And the post credit scene is also phenomenal. So definitely want to get into more of that. But I think that's all I can say without trying to get into spoilers. But I highly recommend this film. I definitely recommend seeing it more than once because on a second viewing, I really saw a lot more that was going on in this film. The music is great. There are scenes in there where the music makes it so much better, and it flows well, and it uses original themes. It felt 
very much like a Star Wars film. Like, in Force Awakens, when the music to intro characters and what's going on, like, it gives you an emotional connection to what's going on on screen more than just knowing where the story is going. It really brings you right into it. And I think, I believe his last name is Silvestri. Um, the composer really did a fantastic job just really adding to the emotion of this film, knowing that you don't know how this is going to turn out. This isn't like previous films where you know the status quo is going to be relatively okay going forward. This movie could have a crazy ending, and you just don't know. What's going on, guys? Brando here from Journey to Comics, and I am coming to you from space. Of course, we are here to like take a look at Avengers Infinity War. We are sort of scattered across the universe, if you will. I am sitting here today with the host, the co-host. I don't, I don't know if you're host or co-host. Has that been designated? Blaine is the host. I'm kind of the co-host slash star of the show. Okay, because yeah. Because regardless of what guests we have, I out-talk everybody still. There you go. So... Uh, I'm that pod- guy, Tyler. Yeah, from Podcastrophy, Tyler, every Thursday on the Journey to Comics Network. You're also a part of Podcast Menace with me, Correct. truly. Uh, that is a monthly podcast over on the Patreon. We did a first one. It's for free. You can go grab it somewhere in the backlog uh, here on the network. Go check that out. And if you like it, go give us like some, you know, three bucks. That's a show that you guys will be getting if you guys do that. That's uh, some exclusive content for the Patreon. I got Solo coming up, so we're going to be talking about that and hype leading up into that. But today it's all about Avengers Infinity War. I saw the movie as we record this. I saw it on Friday night, 6.05 Eastern Standard Time. We were almost late getting there. Uh, her mom was running late to getting here. We, we, we got there at 6. How was the theater in Lebanon? Uh, the top was all full. The front was all empty. Okay. So, uh, But they had the higher back end seats so you weren't cranking your neck no because like you had a spot to rest your head so like you were leaning back a little bit it was it was kind of like sitting in the living room in my house i've got my tv up and my wife mismeasured so the tv's sitting higher than what it originally had planned which um so some people might go man that's high but for me it's like when i'm resting that's like perfect eye level for mm-hmm. me uh so like it, it really wasn't bad you kind of had to move your head a few times for some of the bigger scenes to kind of see what's going on but uh they had more showings uh, than when I first ordered my tickets. So there was another showing at like 6.20 and then 6.50. There was like a couple different screens showing it. But we got in there. Um, I stood in line for the slowest concession workers ever. Uh, I got my soda and my popcorn, and we got seated right as the um, trailers were getting ready to start. Uh, it's a miracle that you even got a seat because Blaine and I went this morning at 11 o'clock, which is the first showing of the day. We went here in Lafayette. You went purposely just to hopefully not have a crowd at theater. Yep. I I told Blaine last week, I said, look, if, if you and I are going to, you know, because originally we had talked about all going to see it as a group, Mm -hmm. um, which we like to do, but we all have lives and whatnot. Um, So much like the movie, we decided to do things a little bit separate. And uh, so Blaine and I went this morning at 11, and I said, look, we need to get there early. This is going to be big. You know, they're still riding the Black Panther train um, throughout the country. That movie is still in theaters and still making money. Just a note, on the way home, there's a uh, old drive-in on the way to Lebanon, mm-hmm. and it was showing Avengers. 
and Black Panther. Really? As a double feature. That's cool. And I'm like, number one, I'm like, that's badass. And number two, I'm like, oh my God, they start at dusk, 8.30. Can you imagine how long you're, like, that, those are two long you, you, you won't get home until four or five in the morning. Oh my gosh. You know, uh, especially, you know, with the intermission mm-hmm. and everything that they have between the films. Yeah. That's a, that's a four or five o'clock in the morning rolling in at home thing you know with kids you know there's people taking their kids to that yeah of course so that's that makes a long night for sure but it was um i hope they didn't get rained out because it did rain last night a little Mm -hmm. bit i hope they didn't get rained out Uh, that's that's something that we don't get to enjoy as much as i think we should the dry you know part of the reason i love going to the movies so much is if it's for the experience Mm -hmm. you know you've got your ten dollar movie ticket and your eighty dollars and on concessions and uh, you get to spend time with your friends and family, and I, it, it's just the experience is a lot of the draw for me. And the drive-in was always cool when I was a kid, you know. And there's not that many of them left. You're right. Uh, I went to a couple when I was younger. Uh, I really didn't go when I was older uh, because, as you're right, there's like kind of they're kind of few and far between. Mm-hmm. I think there's only three around here. There's one outside of Lebanon, one outside of Monticello. Mm-hmm. Then there's one, I think there's a straggler somewhere in there. I know this one down here was for sale. Oh, I, really? I, I saw that like over the winter. So it looks like somebody bought it. And and, I, and I'm glad they did because when he gets a little older and can have an attention span for a whole movie, I want to, just for the, as you said, just, just for the experience, mm-hmm. to like, you know, go and just have that be a different movie going experience. Um, but you, you went at 11 o'clock. So I told Blaine that we needed to go early because this film, we everyone knows or knew that this film was going to be big. Of course. It's still riding the Black Panther train. You know, you've got Deadpool and Solo, all kinds of stuff coming up here very soon. So we're very much into the summertime box office season. And uh, I like to go to the movie, you know, the first showing of the day anyway. People like to sleep in on Saturdays, you know, or Sunday. You know, people have church. It's normally not as crowded, and I, I always get to the, I always, regardless of what movie it is, get there about 30 minutes early, because I like to have my popcorn and sit down and go to the bathroom before the credit, or before the previews start, Yeah. and uh, as I pull up and park, we agreed to meet there at 10.30, there's already a line out the door. It's like, shit, they've only got one show time at 11 o'clock, <laughs> you know, the next one wasn't for like an hour and 45 minutes. Mm. But Blaine and I both already had our tickets. He that's, let me he let me use Miranda's movie pass. Well, unfortunately, good. I get inside. Blaine walks in right behind me, and the uh, like self serve kiosks are shut down. So we get in line, and and just you know through a good stroke of luck, the manager walks over and he's like, "Here," and he boots the kiosks up. Oh yeah. So I ran right over there, got our tickets. Or I got my ticket, and then I ran to the bathroom. Well, Blaine didn't see me go to the bathroom, so he runs to the theater. And then we both met in the concession line, like, where the hell did you go? Where the hell did you go? So it worked out. The The theater was not near as packed as I thought it was going to be. There were seats scattered throughout, but pretty much everybody that came was in a big group. So it kind of inflated yeah. the numbers from afar. So we didn't have to fight it too much. But it was very ominous looking at the start. I had to make sure that I had, I had enough space. Uh, my wife is a notorious uh, like small bladder for movies, mm-hmm. so like she tends to go to the bathroom once, maybe twice. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that she was able to go 
and get out without having to cross people's paths. And and yeah, no, it was like me and her. We were in the last row, of, like like in the front. We had nobody in front of us. We could like put our legs up on the armrests and get rel- comfortable. Try, try and relax the best you can. And yeah, it, it was a pretty comfortable experience. We didn't have to wait through all the the showing crap. We had a solo trailer, but it was the first one. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed by that because I liked the second one better. We got a. It looked like a mashup of the first one and the second one. Mm. So I was kind of surprised to see that because it started. The trailer that we watched started the way that the original trailer started and then ended the way the Super Bowl trailer or the the updated trailer ended. So it was it was a mashup, I guess. Interesting. Uh, of course, there's Jurassic World, mm-hmm. um, which was a new trailer. Yes, for me, I believe that one has been out. I think I've seen it once. But I, I might have been on like YouTube. Sometimes they they'll air them like before a video that like you're the red watch. band trailer. Yeah, or it, it sometimes it'll come up as an ad, like a trailer instead of just a regular ad. Like if I'm watching YouTube on the TV, and it's if sometimes if it's a trailer, I'll just let it go, mm-hmm. uh, just just to watch it. But uh, I think I've seen it once. But the, I remember those two. There was Incredibles. Uh, was there another one? I'm having trouble remembering. I, those are the ones that just stuck. Those out. are the big two for me. I didn't really oh, pay attention to uh, anything else. There was that. There was one with these with this guy and this girl in a boat. Oh, the um, secret life of a pregnant teenager girl. Mm-hmm. Where like they're stranded out in the ocean mm-hmm. after after like the perfect storm or whatever. She she was the star of the Divergent films. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Her it, name. Dude, the movie looks pretty decent. I actually think like, it looks really good. Like it, I like both of them as actors. So. Uh, and then, of course, the movie gets right into uh, it, it. It was funny because we're sitting there waiting for the movie to start, and then they start with the Marvel thing, and uh, you hear this kid go, "Yeah!" And <laughs> we just start laughing. Blaine and I did that, and we both leaned over and we're like, "Hey, it's not playing the Marvel music. It's quiet. It's quiet, and it's very ominous. And it's like, ah, what is happening?" All right, so we're we're gonna like not go into spoilers yet. Okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a minute. Uh, so, uh, we're gonna cut that off, and we're gonna come back to it in maybe like five or ten minutes, uh, because because we're gonna give our quick reaction thoughts of the movie first. Uh, I'll let you go first. What did you think of this movie? I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um, you know, since I've I've been here for like forty five minutes now, I, I keep I keep telling you that I'm still decompressing. Mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still trying to analyze what happened because there was that's one thing that you have to praise this film. I mean, there there are things that I can complain about with this film, but they're few and far between, and they're very nitpicky. Um, there's just so much, you know. All of these big blockbuster films now are approaching the three-hour mark consistently. And, you know, I, I talked to Nate for probably a good hour after the film this morning. And I said, dude, I could have sat for another three hours, no problem. Because there was so much, they told so much, but they could have kept it going. You know, I would have sat through a six-hour-long Infinity War movie, no problem. I have very, yeah, I, I'm almost the same line of thought is you i do have some nitpicks uh there are some some minor problems with the movie but they're pretty minor Mm -hmm. uh from my point of view and 
pacing is one of those. However, uh, this it's not inherently bad to the movie because it keeps you engaged. Mm-hmm. But there is a point where it's like it it stays with like one party or like one or two parties so long that that when it gets back to another one, like man, it's been a while since we've been here. Mm-hmm. How? And I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, so these things are all happening at about the same time. So much time has passed over here. How much time is going on over here? Right. That to me is like, all right, so that happened. Like, all this stuff has happened over here, and he is just getting there. So it was a bit kind of back and forth for me. Uh, Literally, probably no one else noticed that. That's just something that me in my head, I'm like analyzing. Like, Blaine and I both noticed it too, because we talked about it a little bit. Like, so, like, but that's like, that doesn't take away from my enjoyment of it. No, I, I wouldn't disagree with that a bit. Um, I do, like, and this is typical. And this is nitpicky as shit. The children of Thanos, you, you could give a shit about. They don't really go into who they are, what they are, who they are, what's going on. They're just there. They're just they're cannon fodder. Yep, exactly. They're they're a general to be like standing big and bad in place of Thanos in a in a place where he can't be. That that's fine. Uh, but it like. Once they like got into it, and I realized that's what they were, I quickly got over that. Like at first, I was like, "Oh, these new characters, who are they?" And then I was kind of let down at first that they're not really gonna like go into them; they're just mm-hmm. gonna kind of be baddies. And I'm like, "Oh, well, okay." Then I instantly stopped giving a shit, uh, like about that part of it. The children of Thanos are actually one of the things that I loved about the film so much. And once we get to spoiler territory, I'll mm-hmm. touch on that a little bit more. They, through lack of character backstory, lack of information, lack of however you want to say it, I think they actually added a lot to the film without trying to add a lot to the film with, uh, I don't want to say foreshadowing, just just with what they did. I explained to Nate, because I haven't talked to him much about it. I, I, I sent him... A one sentence review. He said quick. Re- he said quick reaction like this morning. So I, I gave him a quick reaction. I said it's a great movie, or no? I said it's a great Marvel movie. It's a very poor casual movie. Yes, because this movie requires you so much prior past viewing of other movies. Mm-hmm. Like this, like this movie. I wouldn't even. I would almost say that this is like better defined as an event than a movie. Because, I like the way that you put that. Uh, because uh, we, cause when you're looking at comic book events, you know, you, when you have the Secret Wars, let's just throw that out there. And we could we could use the Infinity, but uh, let's use your Secret Wars because that's a lot of characters involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you're bringing in you know Spider Man, uh, Rhodey Iron Man. You know, you're bringing in. Uh, some of the you know, some of the X Men, you know, and it require it doesn't necessarily require you to understand and know all the characters, but Iron Man is in it, and you don't know which Rhodey until like issue four or five. Right. We've discussed this on this show when we did the comic club review of Secret Wars, where you're reading it, and there's a line from Iron Man that says, "It's not like playing a round ball, kid." Is like that does not that's not a Tony Stark line. Mm-mm. It's a Rhodey line. You are not necessarily informed that that is Rhodey. 
And what this movie does, it gives you a lot of characters. It brings up, and it does it well, but it does it at a point where if they had to take time to explain who and what every single one of these characters was, it would have been a detriment to the movie. Right. Uh, it would have helped the casual goer. It, it, if there was somebody out there who isn't big into these movies and goes, wow, that looks like it's going to be epic. I want to go see that. If they come into this, they're going to be lost on who and what and where these characters have been and what they've been doing. Uh, and let's just take Rhodey, for example. I'm sorry to cut you off there. No, you're right. But you, you see him. He has the, like like the leg braces on, like the whole harness thing because of what happened in Civil War. You know his history. Like if you have been watching the movies, you know his history with Tony, with the Sokovia Accord, mm-hmm. with where he stood, and what kind of who he is as a heart of a character, right? Where 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 he stands morally, and what kind of decision he's going to be making and how he's going to act. In this movie, he's just a dude. Who has a suit similar to Iron Man? Yep, and that makes decisions based on military doctrine. Military doctrine, yeah. So, yeah. He he you know, he makes statements. You know, you you understand this guy is probably former military, which he is, and he's associated with Stark, and that's pretty much it. That's like if you're a casual moviegoer, that's what you get. You don't understand the levity of what it means later and, and that's for spoiler territory that and that is a detriment if for a casual moviegoer i'm not docking this movie too much for that because i i'm reading this if i were to read it if i were to rate it as a casual moviegoer it would still be a pretty decent movie because it's really enjoyable mm-hmm. but as a marvel fan I'm, I'm i'm rating it higher than i would for that but i am not that sort of fault is not lost on me because as I said it's very difficult to bring together a plot all these characters without having with you know there will you know people are going to say well you have the MCU you have all these movies that are just almost designed for you to have to go watch them well it's like well what if you're not the biggest fan of Thor there are people out there who just like don't like the character he's very like dry very stoic not as entertaining to watch as some characters. I get it. I, I have a lot to say about Thor when we get to spoiler territory. One of the things that I wanted to say, and I, and I didn't mean to jump into your mm-hmm. your line of dialogue, but I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying based on the casual moviegoer. But you said something to me uh, Thursday or Friday. We were kind of dissecting some of our theories going into it. And you said everything that you're hearing from uh, reviewing institutions, early, yeah, early, early stuff, was that this was a Thanos and Gamora centered story, mm-hmm. not everybody else. Right. So not not that I disagree with any of the points that you made because they're all valid or all valid points, but I think. They did such a good job of telling Thanos' story sure. and not the hero's story that even even for the casual moviegoer that maybe has only seen, you know, Iron Man, Thor, and the first Avenger, like, hey, now I know 90% of this guy's story, yeah. and it's so focused on Thanos that... I can kind of just accept everything else that's going on, you know? My point is is that when you get to something like the ending and sort of the levity that that brings, right. the the loss of attachment 
to certain losses that we may have uh, towards the ending. Or not have. May or may not have. We have have not spoilers yet. Um, You know, to me that feels less because then as a viewer, you know, this movie was like obviously designed to be watched without watching Spider-Man or Black Panther. Correct. And like you are given, like basically you could have come from Civil War you you kind of had to watch Ragnarok to get this movie to understand like the the beginning of it at mm-hmm. least sure and where that character is but like they they kind of say enough to cover that if you haven't seen it there's still even if you have seen it there's still a lot of questions mm-hmm. we'll say in the first 7 minutes of the film it still leaves a lot of stuff unanswered, and if yeah. you don't pay very close attention, there's a line. There's a line of dialogue that I missed that I'm ninety percent sure Blaine missed, and Nate pointed it out to me. And once he told me, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Yeah. So. Well, the like basically what I'm saying is that like if you're an MCU fan, if you're a Marvel fan, if you're a comic fan, this movie's for you. This movie's tailor made for you. This this movie is a seismic event like they do in the comics, and it is the, you know how they like the first Avengers was the bringing everybody together for the first time. The whole movie was was the whole plot was designed to get them to the spot where they could do the camera shot, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then you had the second Avengers, which did that again, but on a much bigger scale. Yep. And then this one again, yeah. They they increased the size, they increased the stakes, they increased everything. So, again, job well done in that in that regard. Do you think this is the best MCU movie so far? That's difficult. That's difficult to say uh, due to taste, due to in your in your personal opinion. Aspects about it are uh, as a single story. That's hard to say. Probably not. For me, uh, it's 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 hard to say. Be, be, before I let you go, if this movie beats the first Guardians, if this movie beats Ant Man mm-hmm. or Doctor Strange, for me, uh, as being a single self contained self contained story. story, because this movie uh, has several different plots in it that are going that more uh, more of them. I'm some of them I'm more invested in than others. So some of them I'm like yes, and other ones I'm like that's cool too. Uh, so when it's all wrapped up in a bow, I I don't know if I could say they're better than those than the street. That it, it it's unfair to put it up against that because it's not the same kind of movie. It's so it's on such a grand scale. For me, you're not comparing apples to apples anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. I totally agree with the three that you chose. Guardians, uh, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man. Those, to me, are the best, kind of the holy trinity in the MCU. You know, obviously, there's other great ones. Sure. Um, Continuing my theme of unpopular opinions, Civil War is one of my favorites. You know, that film was put together for the airport scene. Yes, of course. Much like the first Avengers was for the panoramic you yeah. know, 360 degree camera shot. That movie was all built for that airport scene. So I think 
if you are going to review this movie and really critique it, and you're using the other 10 years of cinema from this universe, you cannot, you, you can't combine the two because they're, you're not comparing apples to apples just because of the grand scale. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many different plot lines. You're tying up all the Infinity Stone mm-hmm. plot lines that have been sprinkled out for the last yep. three phases of movies. Mm-hmm. And then you have all of the Thanos stuff. And then you have. 10 years of character development for, you know, the first phase heroes and then all of that character development now being thrust into second and third phase character development, excuse me, and how those characters all interact together. You know, there's a lot of comedy and and I think with Ragnarok and Black Panther... And just the family experience that Disney and Marvel are pushing uh, for the last 10 years that we're, we're not going to see that go away anytime soon. This was a very somber movie a lot of times, but the comedy was still there. For it being family entertainment, they were definitely pushing some boundaries yes. here. With some with some of their jokes and some of their humor, some of their language mm-hmm. was a bit higher. And I was surprised to see edgier. a lot of it. Yeah, so, I mean, if I were to rate this movie against the other come-together movies, which I would be Avengers, Age of Ultron, Civil War, because Civil War is both a come-together movie and a singular Mm -hmm. story within a few characters, I think it's the best one out of them. Okay. Uh, When we reviewed Age of Ultron, uh, man, two years ago now? It's been a long time. Um, maybe longer. I don't remember. <laughs> We're getting old, Brandon. Yeah, I know. Uh, I it, that might have been. What year did that come out? Twenty fifteen. Did it come out two years or three years after the I, first one? I don't remember, man. Because didn't the first one come out in twenty twelve? You know what? It was twenty fifteen. Because twenty fifteen was Age of Ultron. Twenty sixteen was Civil War, and then last year was Guardians two. Yes. In May. So, yes, 2015. I, I rated that movie really high when I first saw it. I like I really enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed a lot of things about that movie. And you and I have talked about it. You enjoyed that film a lot more than I did. I liked, I was very critical of Age of Ultron. I, I really enjoyed the characterization they gave to other characters that don't get their own films. Or have not yet. Or may not get another one. I liked that a lot. I liked... Uh, some some of the interact like they did a lot more with the interactions of the characters than the first movie did where it was more like the first movie was like the the breaking the ice phase and mm-hmm. this one was like the more of the kind of the buddy cop lethal weapon 48 hours uh you know retirement Beverly. yeah i'm too old for this shit <laughs> go go spit stark go spit yes hell yeah anyway uh I liked that movie a lot when I saw it in theaters. I was very entertained. Um, this one goes above, I think, those other ones. So, yeah, out of the four, I would definitely rate it higher. What would you give it as far as a number? Shoot. Because I'm not sure, sir, I would rate Age of Ultron. I think I gave it a nine back then or something like that. I'm not so sure if I'd do that now. I've, I've seen it again since then. I still really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... Yeah, because I don't think this movie's a ten. 
I think you would be. I think anybody that gives this movie a ten is doing the movie a disservice. Personally, because there are things about this film, you know, you touched on the things, uh, the point of view of the casual moviegoer, and uh, the dad explaining. You know, I've I've had the thought. You know, what if you were the dad explaining to your son or daughter after the film is over, like what has been happening the last 10 years to lead up to this point. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would have your work cut out for you. When we when we left the theater, we well, number one, we saw a DeLorean. Really? Dude drove a DeLorean to the theater. Did he hit 88? Yeah, he might have, because, I mean, I know we did. We were late. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, if you had a flux capacitor, you would have been able to go back in time and get there early. Exactly. Uh, but dude, like, first off, that was like nerdgasm, you right. know. But then uh, there was this family, and this kid was so excited. He was probably nine, eight or nine. He was on cloud nine. He just saw the best movie of his life, and his mom said she hated it. Really? She goes, "I loved it." And she goes, "Really? I hated it." And then my wife looks at me. She goes, "Did we just watch the same movie?" Because and then I, it's a different. She may and I'm thinking it. That's that's the instant. Because the I as like you, I'm so, like I was still de- you know decompressing. My wife woke me up at five o'clock this morning to help with the kid when I she didn't need to grumble grumble. But I had trouble falling to sleep because my brain started picking mm-hmm. this picking this. I'm laying there going, I don't care right now, but my brain did because I still was still thinking about stuff. But that's the moment I started thinking. She's like, she doesn't care about the movie, the superhero movie genre. Uh, these movies are so big in uh, driving the theater experience right now the the whole movie industry revolves around these big superhero movie blockbuster films to help keep the industry going where several other genres have kind of waned uh, in popularity and when you have somebody like that who is a who came to this movie obviously it's a family thing right. family entertainment like you said and she is going to sit there with her husband and kid and watch this movie where she has probably seen the other stuff in passing when he's watching it right you know and then she's not understanding a lot of this movie and a lot of reasoning, a lot of characters. A lot. Why does this character do this at this moment? And why does why is this character attached to this other character? Exactly. You know, there's uh, a that's one of the big themes. You know, obviously, loss uh, on the road to Infinity War is is the theme. That's what we're all preparing ourselves for. That's what the studio has mm-hmm. warned us about. Sure. And then, you know, when loss starts to happen and you're not attached to anything, it's yeah. not really loss. They, it's this, just screen time. This movie tries. This movie definitely spends time, for those of you who haven't seen the other movies, to tell you character A and character B have a past, mm-hmm. have stuff going on, and that there's feelings. Okay, that's fine. But it's your knowledge and your knowing of how they got there that makes you know a possible loss means so much more well and and the film is 100% relying on our attachment yes. to these characters yeah. that are then attached to each other and our attachment to those characters attachment to each other yeah so attachment and loss is the theme of this movie and if you're not involved it's just not there 
I'm going to gut it right now if I gave it a number. Um, I honestly, I want to see it again, but I'm also torn about seeing seeing it again in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason for that that we'll get to in the spoiler section because okay. there's it, it when you know something is definitely coming. Like, and we, as you said in the message to me, like we called like ninety percent of this movie to have what what happened, and that's not a bad thing. No, I, it's not. Uh, but like w- once you've kind of seen it, um, if I had somebody going, I, ha- I still haven't seen the movie. Do you want to go with me? I would probably take them up on it. But seeing as how I've saw it with my wife, there's probably not, it's probably not going to happen. The amount of level that I would have to go to go to the theater to go see it. Right. I don't know if I would want to do that. I think I want to wait until it comes out on video. That's where I'm at with it. Uh, and watch it again. I, I'm not, and that's not, I don't know because I don't, I'm not sure if this movie necessarily isn't worth that. Isn't worth, but it, but it's such a long movie to sit there that long. And you, while you said you could sit there for that much longer, um, my hip actually started hurting towards the end. Um, and so like, it was actually starting to get painful to sit there. Mm-hmm. And so like, while I was still enjoying what I was seeing, I was like, we're, we're, we're getting close to the end. Cause I'm starting to hurt. I was so into the movie. I was so fidgety, you know, mm-hmm. a scene would happen and I would sit up in my seat. And then I would lean back in my seat and I would readjust and then something else would happen and I would be on the edge of my seat again. So I was so focused on what was going on, but the moment I went to stand up, it was like, when did I become 80 years old? God damn. You know, so I don't, I totally don't disagree with what you're saying. Um, I'm having trouble, I think, and it may change. Maybe maybe the more we digest and talk about it, we'll see maybe at the end if it stays. Uh, and it may change by, when, by the time it comes out in July, August, whatever this movie comes out. And I'll see it again. It may change. Nine and a quarter, I think. Um, see, you, you're actually rating it higher than I would. Um, I think I'm going to give it nine and a quarter. And, and, and I'm like, I, part of me just wants to say it's a nine. Uh, part of me wants to say that it's a solid, you know, it's nine. It's, it's a really great movie. I would give it a... L- low eights just because of everything that we've already touched on Mm -hmm. just an 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 unbiased just regular movie goer review i would give it a low eight because it's grand on scale the effects are all good the sin and one of the things that i loved about this film is they did a good job with the cinematography yes i picked black panther apart because of the shoddy cinematography i am not paying $70 $70 to go to the movies between my concessions and my $10 movie ticket. <laughs> you know, I always make that joke, but it's the sad yeah. thing. Even with movie pass now, you're still spending, if you go with your significant other or friends, you're still spending 40 or $50 on concessions. And, and, and obviously that's where the movie theaters make their money. I mean, you, you know, you know, what's funny is that we only bought one drink and one thing of popcorn because I hound the popcorn. She eats a few pieces mm-hmm. and I just sat there and then uh, we shared the drink. We actually didn't go for a refill. And we didn't leave. Like we actually still had a little bit of our syrup water left uh, <laughs> towards the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> but overall, as an experience and and everything that's going on, I think you know, like I said a minute ago, I think giving this movie a ten out of ten would be doing it a disservice, just because of how grand of a scale it is and how. Um, how young it still is. 
you know, let's let's give this let's, yeah. let's give this a couple weeks, maybe a month to truly digest it because we're both we're both still really doing that. We're all doing that as fans. Mm-hmm. And then let's let the number I don't disagree with that. you. I don't disagree with you one bit. Uh you know, maybe my maybe my idea will change. Um I I caught myself being really critical of certain things like of the things I've already kind of said because it and I realized and that's because I was like I'm I'm looking at all right so what are the cons of this movie mm-hmm. I had to think about it because I I really enjoyed my experience um and there's only a few times in the movie where I was like where it like I noticed something and and the whole pacing thing was it was one thing. But like no, the effects were on point. Mm-hmm. They looked great. As much as all the memes were about how Thanos looked, I thought he looked fantastic. I and you know, like I said, this I th- I feel like this is Thanos' story and not not the Avengers and Guardians and and I don't I feel like it's not their story. It's Thanos' story. And after how much I picked apart Black Panther with the blur and. I personally don't think Black Panther deserves the amount of money that it's made. I, I don't feel like the film is that good compared to films like Guardians and Doctor Strange. And, you know, we've touched on that enough. But I found no issue with Josh Brolin as Thanos whatsoever. I don't know that there's anyone in modern cinema that could have done Thanos better than Josh Brolin. I really liked his betrayal of the character. You know, complain about the purple skin and the and the octopus chin all you want, but every scene that Thanos was in, you were so focused on that character, you had every opportunity to pick that character apart, and not once through that almost three-hour-long movie did I feel like that's what I needed to do. They made him menacing. Mm-hmm. They made him powerful. But you still felt you were you were almost siding. I felt like I was almost siding with him. Well, and that's the thing is that I also heard that like you're going to understand why he's doing what he's doing. Agree or disagree, you're going to understand it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, if you're looking at this movie from his point of view, he's the hero, and all these people are in his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. So before we get to, I want to I want to say one thing about Thanos because I I said this to Blaine at the end of the film, and I I'm pretty sure I said it to Nate too. Part of the reason I loved this portrayal of Thanos so much, Thanos is a mortal being. He can be killed. He's not a god. Mm-hmm. And they did such a good job of having mortal and godlike characters you know in the in the mcu any character that's slightly more gifted than a regular human being is basically godhood status you know peter quill now at this point is just a regular dude Mm -hmm. and he's still god status they are competing with the mad titan thanos who in his own way is just a regular dude but he 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 is fighting anytime there's a story where man challenges the gods defies the gods and succeeds i dig that and this story is all these different threads of that woven into one because you have thanos defying fate 
you know, the fate of what existence should be. And then you have the the other side of the coin to that, the the Avengers and the hero squad doing that towards Thanos. You know, Thanos is the god to them. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to throw it out there because oh, hell yeah. th- th- god, Thanos, they did such a good job. So that final scene with just... I was half expecting the credits song to be Dust in the Wind because that's how it seemed. Like, all of these major characters in there just turned to ash. Like, and at first you're like, okay, maybe these are permanent. But once it starts getting into characters that you know have a sequel, like, as soon as Black Panther turned to ash, I was like, okay. So this isn't going to be permanent. There's no way they're going to make a... They're, no, they're making a Black Panther sequel. This movie... Black Panther was the highest uh, box office grossing film, or one of the highest ever, only to probably be broken by this movie. So there's definitely going to make a sequel to it, and they're not going to kill off that main character. Basically, at the end of that scene, and the Spider-Man scene, which was gut-wrenching, because literally you just see it like he's just a kid. He, as very much as he's an Avenger, and he got he even got knighted by Tony Stark going into that final battle when he's sitting there being held by Tony Stark and dying and you saw how much it broke. There was people in the audience of my movie that were crying. There was a teenager sitting next to me that was crying through most of the credits leading into the post credit scene. And I was sitting there, my mouth dropped. Like I didn't think they were going to go that far. I expected there was the scene earlier when, Tony Stark tried to kill Thanos, and Thanos just broke off this tip and just stabbed him right in the gut, I think it was. I thought that was it. I thought, this is it. This is where Tony Stark's going to die. Trying to defeat the biggest villain that the MCU has ever seen. And that wasn't the case, but man, all of those other character deaths were unexpected. The Thanos, or not the Thanos, the Vision one was especially hard just because he had a double death. You saw him explode and then you saw through Thanos using the time stone because he had all the stones just which you didn't see in the trailers for good reason you see him wind back time unexplode vision rip the mind stone out of his chest or out of not just out of his head killing him turning him gray which I think was a great visual to show all of the life force and the color and the vibrancy out of vision to nothing just a grayed out dead-eyed being that was essentially just a robot at that point just dropped on the ground you saw like you know what you're getting into when the first five minutes of the film basically you know the cast of thor of thor beyond thor himself is gone i even messaged nate because i knew at the end of thor ragnarok that like korg and meek and all them were on the ship and at the end of the ship part of avengers infinity war looked like everyone was dead like everyone except thor you saw Heimdall try and save and get a after he jettisoned Hulk off to Earth, saw him get stabbed through the heart and die. You saw Loki try his best to kill Thanos, only to get choked out and his neck snapped by Thanos in front of Thor, who's just trapped and Yeah, it when that's how the movie opens, you know what you're in for. And so many other characters. The other one that was hard to see was Gamora getting thrown to her death over the cliff 
which is actually where you get to see freaking Red Skull come back, which, surprisingly enough, wasn't actually Hugo Weaving. It was uh, an actor from The Walking Dead, which I had no idea. The first viewing, I thought it was him. It sounded like him. It looked like him. But it wasn't. And the person who I thought was a body double, which was Benicio Del Toro's uh, The Collector from Guardians 1... I could have sworn that was another, like a random guy just dressed like the collector, but over the second watching, I actually pay attention, and yeah, he's credited as the collector in the movie, so I don't know, I just, just wasn't seeing it, but yeah, the amount of people they brought back for these little few minute bits, like, I think, I'm trying to think right off the top of my head, you have El- uh, Idris Elba as Hemdall in four minutes probably of screen time. Loki has a few minutes, just like a minute more than he had than uh, Idris Elba's Hemdal. You have Red Skull in it for a few minutes. You have The Collector in it for a few minutes. You have Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts in it for a few minutes. Like, there's so many people they were able to bring back for just a little bit, just for a taste for us to actually see. You see, um, Wong? Uh,. From Doctor Strange, he's in the he's in the beginning. He has a little bit more going on because he actually helps in the fight in New York um, with Doctor Strange and Tony Stark and Spider Man and Hulk and all of them. So he got a little bit. Hulk himself actually got a couple minutes of scream time. He's in. He fights Thanos in the beginning on the ship with Thor. Gets his ass handed to him. Gets knocked out, and that's when Hemdall throws him to Earth. And then Hulk's not in full Hulk form. Again, the whole film. They really lied to us in the trailers because you see there's Wakanda scenes with uh, Hulk fighting alongside them, at least in that big cinematic scene with a bunch of characters running. And Nate called it. Nate said that Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner was going to be in the Hulkbuster armor. And yeah, Nate had it right on the head with that. And I'm sure he talks about it in his part of this but yeah it was definitely a lot going on and it like i said before it was a lot of continuous pieces and the fact that they even brought back the children of thanos they didn't really give them much of an intro just knowing that they're basically his lieutenants the people that are just under him who are helping get him what he needs and but man there was some it was pro- it was still funny, but it was definitely the darkest MCU film, I think. At least my personal opinion. Just for the mere amount of death, the injury, like seeing Gamora thrown to her death, seeing Nebula peeled apart and tortured, seeing Vision get his head ripped out, just the sheer amount of what was going on and the injury. It, it was a little graphic in some aspects. I mean, it's... It's a Disney movie, so it's not, like, there wasn't, like, blood and gore and stuff, but there was some rough scenes to watch in that movie. But, man, I just, I want to watch it, like, every, I could watch it every day. I think that's going to be, I think of all the recent MCU films, I think Infinity War is the one I want to just own right now so I could watch it and dissect it. And I want it to be a year from now so I can actually see how this story plays out because despite it not being a, like it originally was with Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2, 
they did say they made it it's gonna be it was said it was gonna be a complete story and then the sequel is gonna be uh a new adventure but man they it was a cliffhanger ending they definitely didn't like yes it definitely completed that part of the story but there was it was like it faded to black but there definitely left you wanting so much more like it is the luke skywalker standing on a cliff on an island moment like you're like just give me five more minutes i just want to know where we're going from here like it basically and i've i heard someone else talk about this and i think it's actually a kind of an interesting story i'm kind of jumping around here it's just when you're talking by yourself and this the stream of consciousness from watching this movie and it actually the my point of getting to this is actually kind of makes sense i think that everyone who was turned to ash aren't the ones that are going to be dead by the end of avengers 4 i think it's going to be an exact opposite because after all this you're left with basically the original avengers plus a couple ancillary characters on titan you're left and then if it with tony stark and nebula dr strange is gone spider-man is gone uh, star lord mantis and drax are gone that's on titan you have on on earth on or on earth on wakanda you have remaining i believe you have war machine you have black widow you have steve rogers i think who else is remaining you have thor you have rocket but like black panther is gone uh falcon is gone bucky is gone Groot's gone it's just it leaves you like basically anyone who would pick up the mantle from Steve Rogers of the next Captain America at least how they did it in the comics both of those people Bucky and Falcon are both turned to ash but if you think about it if it was the exact opposite that would be all like all the characters that were basically in it from the beginning whose like whose actors whose contracts are up and who would be believable that at least one of those, if not more, would be dead by a permanent death. So, it'd be weird if that was... The people left behind are in another plane of existence instead of the people that turned to ash. But I know they have big plans. I know there's been behind-the-scenes pictures taken from the Infinity or Avengers 4 set, which shows a lot of the actors in... what a lot of the actors in avengers the like the 2012 avengers movie costumes which is the blink that somehow they're gonna be able to go back in time to mess with that so you know it makes sense that the cast that's remaining is the cast that's able to fit in the 2012 story again to maybe they're gonna alter the the battle of new york that we saw in avengers to change the future in a way to allow them to win because this is the because when Doctor Strange in the movie decided to... He looked at all the possible futures in which they could see if they could succeed in defeating Thanos. And there was only one case. And that's what we're in with. Because before Doctor Strange turned to Ash, he said, we're in the endgame now. So if the Avengers could be called Avengers Endgame. And I'd be like, damn straight it's the endgame. This is, it's, all, it's this or nothing. Because... Half the world is gone. You saw in the post credit scene with uh, Maria Hill and Nick Fury, who both turned to Ash, that 
the world's th- stuff has just fallen to part because people are disappearing in their cars, people are disappearing on planes and helicopters and all of that. World's going to be a disaster area come the beginning because half the balls, it's like the rapture, like half the world is gone. Like it's going to be chaos out there for. I don't know if it's going to be immediate. If it's going to pick up right where it left off, like it did when it jumped into Infinity War. So we'll have to see what the remaining Avengers and the remaining characters in the story deal with the fallout. Like, cause uh, Stark and Neb will have to get back from Titan. I don't know if they have a ship. I think the ship, cause the ship they got there and exploded. I don't know if Nebula's ship is still there. I don't know how she got there. Maybe her ship's fine. There's no one I don't think who can make a portal. I don't think there's anyone remaining. I don't know if Shuri got turned to Ash, so I don't know if Shuri could help put something together. I feel like I'm about to get... If Shuri survived, I'm about to get Shuri and Tony in the same room to maybe build something to help them go back in time. I feel like between them, they could maybe come up with a time machine so they don't have the time stone. There has to be some way to get back there. There's... I don't know if there's any ships... Well... Well, Thor has his ability to create um, his, uh, I forget the actual term, his ability to create bridges between two places. Well, that may be how they can get to Titan to get to Tony to get him back there or summon him somehow. somehow. So it'll be interesting to see where they pick it up, but it's going to be a long year while we wait. We have Ant-Man and the Wasp because you don't have, you have Ant-Man and the Wasp coming next and Ant-Man... And the Wasp were not in this movie. Neither was Hawkeye. They were both explained away as being in witness protection. So I know they're going to have to be involved somehow. I'm sure Ant-Man and the Wasp would take place immediately after Civil War. So it's But it, I, probably the end of the movie or the post-credits is going to catch you up to Infinity War with a fallout that maybe involves one of those characters turning to Ash. Maybe it's Hank Pym. Maybe it's the Wasp, maybe it's uh, Janet Van Dyne, we don't know. We'll have to kind of see how that happens, and we also got Captain Marvel in the fall or early spring? I think it's it's either November or March. So we'll see. That'll at some point in that movie is going to have to take her from the 90s to now because that's their only hope, and you saw in the post-credits, before Nick Fury turns to Ash, he pages... Captain Marvel, because you see the Captain Marvel logo, which is a nice tease for being a very simple uh, post-credit scene. And you get to see the whole class thing where it's like the Avengers will return, and this one with Thanos will return. So you know we're in a different different game now. So, But yeah, it was definitely an amazing film. Having all the space stuff didn't detract from the story. It still felt very much grounded in earlier Avengers-style films, so... I was blown away. I'm definitely going to see this movie at least one more time in theaters, even though I have to pay because of Movie Pass. And I'm definitely going to watch it quite a few more times when I have it on home release, which will probably be late summer, early fall at this rate. It's, I mean, the theater I saw it at, Black Panther's still playing, so I know we have a quite a while before home release is going to come out. But I'm excited. I want to watch. I'm sure there'll be some documentaries on that Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm going to be all for it, but... And I didn't think I was going to do it, but I... By the time that movie ended, Thor was my favorite character. Didn't... I liked him... In... Of... I liked him in Avengers, 
Loved him in Ragnarok. But his, his character has been amazing. And his side stories, like with creating Stormbreaker and getting his eye back and his work with Rocket and Groot, I want just a movie with them. I want a movie with them, and I also want a movie with uh, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, and... Uh, I forget her name now. Uh, Girl from the Walking Dead. Michonne from the Walking Dead's character. She was one of the uh, Dormelage. So, get a move with those three. Yeah, so we are currently uh, about 40 minutes. So, it's spoiler time. Yeah, we got 20 seconds from the start, from, from where I hit record. And I'm going to count it down because we are currently at approaching. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Spoiler time. 40 minutes into our segment. This is spoiler time for us. When this movie starts and you hear the you, you hear the distress calls. And you, that most of the action's already happened. And you're at the end. Mm-hmm. And you see injured, mortally injured Heimdall. And you see Loki on his knees. And you see him threatening to kill his brother Thor for the Tesseract. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, of course, we knew he took. Right. Which Thor did not know he took. No, he didn't know. But we called that Loki would give it up to save his people. He gave it up to save his brother. Yeah, he did. We called it. Um, We fucking called it. uh, He gave, yeah, he he gave it up to save his brother. First, he tried to play it cool, and then he just couldn't take it anymore. Again, Again, that's such a complex character that Loki is you're always trying to question his moral compass where uh-huh. where is he at and he he he's not so evil he's not so good he's somewhere right in the middle well, is is he is he legitimately evil or is he just opportunistic is selfish he, is yes. he, is he just is he all about self-preservation does that truly make somebody evil i don't think so i've never i've never personally looked in 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 the MCU i have never personally looked at Loki as a villain. I've just looked at at, at someone at, at at him as someone who is in the right place at the wrong time with the right stuff with the wrong people. So Loki decides to give it up. You know, and he gets the stone cuz he crushes the tesseract. Mm-hmm. And then Loki gets to pretty much say a line that was used against him in the first Avengers movie. We have a Hulk. Where the hell was he at? Like this whole time. It's mm-hmm. like like so where's the so where's Hulk been hanging out? Like of course they did the they they were doing that for the big scene that way they could have the kind of the showdown uh you know between him and him and Thanos. So you get like the Hulk running in, duking it out with him and then getting the stomp you know, shit stomped out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Heimdall using the Bifrost 
there at the end to shoot him away before. Again, dude, we called it. Um, and that's how he ends up back on Earth. And then, of course, they kill Heimdall. Farewell. Yep. I, I saw that one coming just because I, f- I feel like if you're going to decimate the Asgardians, you cannot leave one of the most powerful Asgardians alive Yeah, doing non-Asgardian stuff. Yeah. So then towards the end, Loki trying to be sneaky. Trying to be sly, trying to do some, some hood rat stuff. Trying to save the day. For him and his brother, they're in a tight spot. Thor's already kind of been beaten, um, held down. Uh, it just goes to swear his allegiance towards you know Thanos. I'm going to help you. I'll, I'll, if you go on Earth, you're going to need a guide. Yep. I've I've kind of been there, you know. And and then he goes in for the kill, and then gets stopped and killed. Very brutally killed. Yes, he gets his throat crushed. Yeah, he does. And Thor, he, you know, Thor watches it, and then he uses uh, because because uh, at this point now, he now has two stones, right? He has this the, the power stone power and the stone, space stone. Space stone. So that he uses the space stone to open up the wormhole to get back on the ship, and then they do they use they use something to help almost pretty much disintegrate the ship. He uses the power stone, power stone to do that to decimate the ship, and then. Uh, First, that sends Thor hurling, you know, through the debris and wreckage, and uh, you know, uh, there's a there's you know Hulk zooming towards Earth, uh, you know, Thor hanging out like in the in the middle of space. He's a, he's a, he's a god, so he doesn't have to breathe oxygen, I guess. Uh, not really too sure how the whole scientific. Yeah, I, 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 that, that's that was one of the things that I nitpicked initially. I was like, okay, because it's obvious he, that he uses air to talk, right? Because <laughs> later on, he sees breathing so heavy when he's getting getting into his talking. But yeah, uh, I, that's not really ever. I assume that's just like, yeah, he's a god; he doesn't need to breathe technically. Right, he can survive in space. One of the one of the and and I mentioned it while we were non spoilery that during. When the, when the scene first pans in and you're seeing all the dead Asgardians on the floor, there's a female character that is dressed and looks very similar to Valkyrie. Yes. Who is not Valkyrie. She's been confirmed for... Her actress has been confirmed for Avengers 4. And there's a line of dialogue that I missed that said somewhere throughout the film that half of the Guardians escaped. So... What I assume is that Valkyrie and Korg got half the Guardian or half of the Asgardians, not Guardians, and got the fuck out of there. And then anyone that got left behind stood by Thor and failed. So wherever I missed that line of dialogue, that was the one the one big thing I had to complain about because that's kind of important. Yeah. Yeah, at least a Thor. At least a Thor's character arc. That's kind of important. well, of course, of course. Um, because then there was the whole thought of all of them are going to die, and he was going to be the last Asgardian. That, mm-hmm. If that's the case, and that isn't true, then they're still out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, so go to Earth. Um, we got Tony Stark shenanigans. You know, him kind of you know doing doing his thing. 
uh, Hulk lands. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how Heimdall managed this, but he lands right in like Sanctum Sanctorum. It, yeah, right, right, right in the Sanctum Sanctorum. It goes right to the right, right to the steps, and there he's still he's coming out of the Hulk thing, and he's and then he I I like how last time he was like what happened, and now he's like we're in trouble. Like instantly, he's just like, dude. <laughs> so through, just in the first, I'll say, ten to twelve minutes of the film, in my opinion, you get so much foreshadowing, which I feel like the entire ten plus years of the MCU has been nothing but foreshadowing. Obviously, up until this point, mm-hmm. but when we get to talking about Tony, and end of the film, Tony. I feel like his interaction with Pepper in the first third of the film is all foreshadowing for Infinity War Part 2 or Avengers 4, whatever you want to call it. And obviously, uh, Banner coming out of the Hulk in the Sanctum Sanctorum, remembering everything, being terrified. He just witnessed from inside Hulk getting his ass kicked mm-hmm. Thor getting his ass kicked like the Asgardians getting who was left getting decimated I mean and, and maybe that's where Hulk was maybe he was like going with the others and then stopped maybe that's something we didn't see right you know maybe you know when I said where was he was he, was he hiding under some rubble waiting for his time to, like, he was the escort maybe yeah maybe to get them off the ship and then he made his way back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. Like I, I dug that a lot. How he was instantly like, "We need now. Let's go," because he's coming here. They've said they're they, yeah. We need to assemble, so right. to speak. You know, no, get the get get the team together. Let's go. And, and then of course it's like. Uh, like he says that to Strange. Strange is like, "Huh, Stark, come with me." <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, we have an issue. <laughs> and I, I like how the joke when Stark said, "No more surprises," and it's like, <laughs> "Surprise!" Immediately. Um, I loved. I loved the uh, dialogue between Pepper and Stark about the uh, arc reactor that he's got, basically glued to his chest. That's entirely unnecessary. Because now he's using it just as a symbol, and it, it it it's kind of a symbol, you know. It's not just a symbol for the little kids to see him on the street and say, "Oh, you're you're Iron Man, you're Tony Stark." It's a little bit of you know. To me, Tony's theme now at this point is his ability to cope or not cope with his mental health of everything that he's dealt with throughout the series. You want to talk about foreshadowing? Age of Ultron had that big foreshadowing for him with his PTSD. Mm-hmm. And that can somewhat be reflected here. And that's what I feel like the arc reactor that he's got basically pasted to his chest is he didn't he doesn't need this. He obviously doesn't need it to survive anymore because right. of the events of Iron Man 3. And at the end of Iron Man 3, that was him basically pledging himself to Pepper and saying, I'm leaving all of this behind. And that's where we start with Stark and Pepper in this scene. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to make a promise to you. We're going to go to dinner tonight. And 
yada yada, and everything's going to be grand, and they're engaged now. I thought they were married. Or wait. Well, well, Uh, no, they're married. They're married. Or they're getting married. Well, because I thought Strange said congratulations on the on the wedding or on the marriage or some. Either way, they're either going to be married or they have been married. Right. And then immediately, I I need your help. Yeah, we need you. You know, and but I feel like the arc reactor is his way of um detaching himself from mentally detaching himself from the events of the first Avengers film and what he's the nightmares, the dreams that he's mm-hmm. been going from because the arc reactor is something that's rooted in the past, you know? So we both paused at the same yeah. time, but, uh, so, so we go straight from a park in New York to back to Sanctum Santorum and, uh, Tony's got the lowdown from Wong and Strange and Bruce about what the hell's been going on. You know, I'm sure Stark now knows where Bruce has been. Yeah. You know, all that jazz. And I really liked the interaction between Stark and Strange throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I I like how their characters instantly like like it's like two sides of a like two different poles of a magnet. They just well they don't. Through Strange's character arc, he was originally what Tony currently still is. Yeah. He was the man at the top of his game with with everything to lose, but in his mind, untouchable. And then through his spiritual awakening and enlightenment, he's become a better person, dedicating himself to to protecting the time stone and the earth as a whole, their reality. And then you have Stark, who is still... Play, you know, you have to imagine that when Strange looks at Tony Stark and interacts with Tony Stark, he's seeing himself before what he is now. Even though, even even though Stark has gone down his character arc, where mm-hmm. he is actually at this point, you know, no pun intended, infinitely better than where he started, but he's still he's still Tony to right. an extent. Whereas Strange, in a way, you can almost say Strange is the same, but to a different degree where Strange prided himself on being the best surgeon. Now Strange is now the guy with, you know, with the magic arts. So it's like he prides himself in that. But then, it, but then again, his also, his focus has, has been redirected and sort of like, I am the best to, I have a job to do. That is way more important than how good I am. Right. The, I need to be that good so I could do this. And that's where, you know, you see that immediately when he does the, Cameo and Thor Ragnarok. They're there, what, a whole five minutes before he's like, not even like, he's showing up going, yeah, nope, you tried to invade the planet with some aliens, you're going, bye-bye, you and me going to talk. What's going on? And then so, the moment he knows anything's going on with Banner, he gets Stark right there, right then and now. You know, Banner's like, we need to go, man, we need to assemble. You know, call Cap. And, of course, because of Civil War, they're not really on the best of turns. He still has the old flip phone. And it's just about to call when you get another typical New Yorkers running down uh, the street screaming. And then I they did a little thing with, with uh, Dr. Strange's hair. He's like, are you moving your hair like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was the perfect, perfect time 
to throw in a little bit of comedy because up until that point it was nothing but you know other than his interaction with Pepper it well, was and then also serious, a little serious, bit of strange serious. where he's leaning on like some sort of like a big pot of... <clears throat> are you leaving on the the what he, the cauldron of existence yeah, cauldron. I think is what it's called <laughs> he's like trying to stretch <laughs> the, there were like yeah there were a few pokes but then of course you know they run outside and there's people running and falling and you know they're helping them and then they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on and then of course there's this big giant space donut coming down from the sky and uh it's, it's causing some chaos and then of course it we we, we go to peter from the, all the trailers he's on the bus spidey sense is spidey tingling. Sense, what the heck he sees it he gets his uh he gets his buddy from homecoming you know, hey calls he'll cause a distraction he goes we're all gonna die and then our, uh, they all run to the other side yeah, of the bus for him to be able to get out of the uh, emergency exit and throw on the emergency Spider-Man mask. And the, the I loved I loved the Stan Lee cameo. <laughs> He's the bus driver. <laughs> Haven't you guys ever seen a spaceship before? <laughs> yeah. Like. And you know he saw Peter fucking dive out of the bus. Yeah. You know, he, you know they got that big-ass mirror in the front of the bus. He's just cooking along. Ah, there goes Spider-Man again. Yeah. And my wife cracked. She goes, as if he could actually drive. <laughs> <laughs> At this point. It's right. like, yeah, oh, come on. But still, it was all, like, you have to have, uh, as, as long as he's able, you got to have your Stanley cameo. Mm-hmm. I love it. It'll be a sad day when we no longer have Stanley cameos. I agree. Uh, and of course, he's like, you know, going on to save the day. Uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man in New York. Hey, you know, big, what, what's going on over here? This needs my attention. I love that he dove out of the bus and it was uh, Spider-Man with only his mask on. We don't get enough of those shots. Right, yeah. You know, it, it, it's before he can get the whole suit on. Of course, what we do see him, he does actually have the suit on. Right. Uh and then, of course, our heroes are quickly met. Uh, our heroes being uh, Stark, Strange, um, Banner, Banner, and then Strange's buddy, which Wong. is Wong. Uh, they're met with the children of Thanos coming uh, down. The Maw, and I don't remember the big one's name, mm-hmm. but the wizard one's the Maw. Yeah, uh, and I like how Stark just refers to doctors as as like wizard. At first, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he calls the Maw Squidward. Squidward, yeah. Um, you know, uh, they make a joke about you know swearing off stuff, and you know, like at some point, um, like he says, like, "Yeah, I swore off dairy until Ben and Jerry's made his flavor after me." Mm-hmm. And then they do a quick joke about like like start cravings and Hulka Hulka burning love. Yeah. It was like Hulka, Hulka Hulka smashing chocolate or something is actually our favorite. Yeah, yeah. and then Banner's like, they have that. <laughs> uh, a little. I love how they're doing like pop culture within this verse, where like these, these, these characters are starting to become legend in their own world. Right. Uh, it's it's neat because you don't really get to see that or hear that enough. Whereas you know, like. When you go to DC, it's like Superman and Batman, and they're like revered in their cities and their world, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you got Iron Man doing his stuff, and people are like, "Oh yeah, that's Stark doing Stark stuff again." Well, we really haven't we really haven't got like fanfare type stuff since the original Iron Man movie when when Tony is like, "I'm Iron Man." You Iron know? Man two when he had the had the when he had the expo and he could have the pyro and mm-hmm. he's showing up and doing all and then stuff. Uh, you know Iron Patriot in mm-hmm. Iron Man three sure. when it became a spectacle there and you know what okay I actually saw on the credits 
uh, Rhodey's listed as Iron Patriot, not War Machine. That was one of the things that I, I was expecting in this film. I expected to see Iron Patriot just, you know, maybe the suit as a cameo in Avengers headquarters or, or something somewhere. And, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say, unfortunately, we only got War Machine, but no Iron Patriot. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, he was listed as Patriot, so it's I I I guess that's his character name uh, because I don't I don't recall if they've ever if they just because they just called him Rhodey, didn't they? I feel like in Iron Man two, at one point, Rhodey calls himself War Machine. Well, I mean, like in this movie. Proper. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Again, you know, like I was. It's just Rhodey. That's that that's something that I was nitpicking. I was like, did they even say everybody's name? No, I don't feel like they did uh, because like. I was like trying to go through characters and like um, Mantis from the Guardians. I'm like, did they ever say her name? She goes, yeah. I'm like, I don't remember it. Uh, I, they, I, I'm, and I know they said other characters, the bigger characters' names in there, but uh, yeah, no, man. Uh, so you know, they're they're doing their thing. They have a fight scene. Shit happens. Banner does not turn into the no, Hulk, dude, and they can't. need the Hulk, and he doesn't. He can't. Yeah. We got gypped. We got screwed. We got bamboozled. In the promotional stuff for this movie, we saw Hulk running with the people in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And he was not there. That's just, yeah, for later on in the movie. He's not there. Hulk is only in the beginning of the movie in little phases when he's trying to Hulk up and Hulk refuses. You actually see him start to morph into the Hulk. Uh, say like three times yeah. four times throughout the film and every time he gets close to hulking out you see the big guy yell no what the hell's going on did right. thanos literally beat banner and the hulk so bad that the hulk is terrified of becoming himself either that or it's 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 almost like his pride's hurt yeah yeah, you know, like he's never been beaten, mm-hmm. other than I guess by Thor Hulk. is the only person that's ever challenged the Hulk. Well, and then there was also like I guess you, uh, the Hulkbuster had had incapacitated him, right? Uh, and so I guess if you want to call that a defeat, I guess I technically yes, they were able to, and that was help <laughs> that was co-designed by Banner as a deterrent, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, so like yeah, as far as like. When you're looking at like how like the strongest hero character they have, it's no doubt Thor. Thor's Thor is almost like the Superman of this group, but with more weaknesses. You know, he's he could still be killed himself, right? Unlike Soups, who you know needs a rock. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, you had to bring it up. Hey, uh, no, but this movie shows just when Thor's on point, and when Thor's kicking ass. He's there, and he's and he's badass. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, like, man, you know, those three Thor movies are not the best movies of of this bunch. But his character, I really like from start to where he is now. He's one of the more interesting characters to me. Well, I feel like you have um, three fantastic character arcs or character arcs. You have Caps. Starks and Thor. That's and your triad. That's your triad. And I mentioned this to you last week when we were talking theory before we saw the film that if, say, in this first film we lose Tony and Cap for whatever reason, there's only one other person that is truly qualified 
to lead the the mightiest heroes of Earth, and that's Thor. And that fits very well with his character arc, and and you added a lot to this. You know, he's the prideful son that is worthy in, in strength and, and metal and what he's achieved, but mentally he's not ready. So Odin shuns him. Well, he redeems himself, and then he and then he turns it down because he doesn't feel himself that he's worthy. And then at the end of the third film, he has no choice other than to be what Odin originally ordained him to be, mm-hmm. the king of Asgard. And that it just, you know, we are going to lose Tony or Cap. We have to in the next film. We have to lose one of them. It doesn't make sense not to. And if for whatever reason we were to lose both of them, Thor is the only guy that can step in and kind of rally the troops, I feel like. There's a few other guys that might be able to play leader. Uh, but I don't think they could do it as well as Thor. No, uh, because, I mean, arguably, uh, it, like as far as like the whole crew, as far as like like we mentioned Quill, mm-hmm. he's kind of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants leader. He tries to come up with a plan, but his plans are always so like... Like nobody kind of lists, nobody holds him into that same line of respect uh, as they would Thor, and then maybe maybe T'Challa, Black Panther, probably well, he would step up to do it. Um, I'm not saying that he couldn't do it. I'm just saying that like if if someone's like, what do we do? He's going to be the guy. Who go well. Here's what we could do. Mm-hmm. You know, and he shows a little bit of that in this film. Yeah, sure. You well, know, and, while they're in Wakanda, and well, and uh, his his position among his people has put him as that. You know, he is. He is their Thor. He is their hero. He is their guy. Right. And so, uh, him telling other heroes what to do, he wouldn't think. He, he wouldn't even. Th- he would just like shoes here. Put you know, put me in them. But uh, so, I'm trying to find out because like, I'm trying to just kind of wrap my head around it. We get introduced. Spider Man comes in. Of course, we have pairings in this film. This film doesn't bring everybody together like you think it does. Uh, it brings most everybody together, but just like I thought. There are different segments of the story told in different different places, and I almost called. I I half called something. I said I predict the Guardians won't even be on Earth, and, and I and I told you I disagreed, and you were one hundred percent right. They uh, never they never went to Earth. Two of them did. Oh yeah, Rocket and Groot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, late, later on in the movie they do show up because they get split up with Thor later. But uh, no, like uh, they end up going off on their own thing, and. You you know a lot of people you and maybe some other people thought there's going to be something in New York, something in Wakanda, and then something in space. Whereas in reality, you were part right because something does happen in New York first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's also like the space stuff is happening around the same time. Like the the space stuff ends up splitting off into two deviant parts, mm-hmm. and then meets back up with the Earth thing. While the uh, while that space part meets back up with two characters or three characters who leave Earth. With that spaceship, and that is Stark, Spider-Man, and Strange. Stephen Strange. So Strange gets knocked unconscious at some point, um, and is flying through the city. The it, uh, what's his cloak's name? Yeah, I always forget. Yeah, the cloak is like he's, he's flinging so around the, the city. So the mall has captured Strange, and uh, the mall decloaked Strange, and uh, the cloak flies in to save the day 
grabs uh, Dr. Stephen Strange himself and then starts dragging him through the air through the city to get him away from the mall because, you know, the cloak is a sentient thing. The cloak is there to assist Strange and whatever Strange Strange's directives are. Well, very early in the film, Strange makes it very clear that the only thing he gives a shit about is protecting the Time Stone. He will not, it, when it comes to saving other people's lives, he will save the Time Stone first. Correct. Uh, and that is where his oath lies. So the cloak grabs him and flies through the city. Uh, Peter jumps in, and, or not, yeah, Parker jumps in. I almost said Quill. Spidey jumps in and uh, assists with that. And uh, the children of Thanos are given given our heroes all that they want. Mm-hmm. And uh, Strange teleports the big one, I assume, to Mount Everest or something. Yeah, you know, that, somewhere that, cold. That would make sense. And then the Maw captures Strange and departs the planet. Yeah, so he's leaving. Um, Spidey's on the ship trying to hang on. Uh, Starting to lose some oxygen because yeah, they're getting know, really high up there. Stark calls in for... Uh, Something he I can't remember is like letters A one two five, and it's the freaking Iron, Iron Spider suit, suit that was shown at the end of Homecoming, and it catches Peter and does the nano thing all around him, and that's how he gets that suit. And then he's like, you know, okay, bye, get out of here. And of course he doesn't. He hangs around, and I love I love the look of that suit. I thought it was great. Uh, they just they. All of the costumes for everyone were fantastic. You know, well, I, and see, they're doing the whole nano thing because I, uh, it's like Iron Man now has like what the Black Panther has too with the the suit that just kind of overcomes the whole body. Mm-hmm. I kind of nitpicked that a little bit with Black Panther. I'm not liking that as much as his original outfit from Civil War where he had the helmet that he took off mm-hmm. um, and could wear that in um, take out. It's almost like the old Power Ranger <laughs> outfit mm-hmm. where he took the helmet off. Um and of course, that makes you in a in a way like when Tony would take the, like he would open up the mask and he would still have the helmet on, but the part of the mask would be off. Uh, it makes you kind of miss that a little bit because it just goes gone, full human head on top of CGI suit. Right. It does look a little weird, not bad, just weird. Uh, and of course, uh, Spidey's mask does, does the same thing. Of course, I think it ate his other mask because. When it came off, he he was wearing his regular suit when it came on him. Like when it, it, it just take took over his whole body. So well, remember, he took it off. He took oh, his mask off. Did he? Yeah, he takes his mask off and he gas. He's starting to gasp for air. And oh, then, you're right. And you are right. Right yes. as he okay. passes out, that's when the suit grabs okay. him. And I was hoping it ate it. I, <laughs> I think it would be funnier if it did eat it. I think you <laughs> ate his mask right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I really dug the iron spider suit. Um, the spider appendages that come out of the back of the suit were so well done. And for some promotional art, it looked like to me that that was basically just going to be like a gimmicky type thing. I didn't, I didn't, I felt like it, it before this film that he wasn't going to utilize uh, the extra appendages. And throughout the film, he does time and time again. Yeah. And it just, it, if you have the Iron Spider suit, you need to be doing Iron Spider suit shit. Yeah. And he did it. Yeah. So it was awesome. Yeah, dude. It, uh, so that, you know, it's great. And then 
they're going into space, and then we have something that happens over in Scotland. Vision sneaking off with uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch to go meet up uh, and have a booty call. A little bit midnight rendezvous. And uh, they've been hanging out a bit longer than what they should. They get, of course, you know, Vision's got the damn stone. They're looking for that damn thing. And so while while some of them were in New York, a couple of them went over there and they found him. They attacked them, and of course, hanging out nearby, we're capping his buddies. We have a little fight scene here. Uh, and uh, they help save the day and help ward off. Of course, we, of course, with them were Cap, Falcon, and uh, Black know, Widow. Black Widow. And so uh, they they've been kind of called into action because somebody has called. Bruce found the phone in the streets of New York, mm-hmm. and so he called uh, Cap to kind of fill him in what's going on. So now they're all they fly back home. He says home, and of course they end up flying back to. Uh, Avengers HQ. Yep. Where Rhodey is. Uh, Secretary Ross returns for another uh, cameo in this movie. And orders orders Rhodey to arrest them. When they pretty much say, like, we're here, we're going to fight. If you stand in our way, we're going to fight you too. And he says, he says, arrest them. It's like. It's Rhodey. Well, number one. All it, of them. Yeah, yeah. So like, even even if Rhodey was like, "You're under arrest." All right, I'll see you later. Yeah. So you know, of course, he doesn't do it, and he's like, "Yeah, sure. You know, we got shit that we got to do. You know, come on now." I like that Rhodey bought into it immediately because when he's when he's going through his exchange with uh, Ross, you know, he makes it very clear, or Ross makes it very clear to Rhodey that I remember your signature being on the Scovian Accords. And Rhodey's like, yeah, but that was a mistake. You know, Rhodey, not just because of his accident with Vision and the physical harm that he, you know, the physical harm that befell him because of his um, misguided decision, I would say, or kind of, uh, you know, when, when Rhodey signed that paper, I look at it as a very headstrong decision. It was him... It was him trying to do what's right for the greater good, and he was he was backing his buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was backing Stark, and he regrets doing that because it, it it honestly was wrong. It was the wrong decision, and uh, so he basically tells Ross to fuck off. Well, I also love how that happened, and he doesn't hold it against Vision or or or, or anybody else in the group. I expected that to be very tense when Rhodey and, and Vision met up again, and there was nothing. Nothing. There. He he has moved on, and he is quick to put that suit right back on. Whereas mm-hmm. like somebody else would be like, "This almost killed me last time." He's like, "Let's go, you know, let 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 let's suit up and let's beat the bad guys." Right. He is, and and that's the end of story with Rhodey. That's that's who he is. He's he's not gonna let that stop him from doing what needs to be done. So now they're like trying to figure out. Well, they're after the Infinity Stones and need to get a, a, a vision and needs to be destroyed. And it's like, well, if that you know, well, I can't do that because that's gonna kill me. And, and, and Vision's like, do it, kill me, I don't care. And so they have this whole kind of back and forth thing. And you know, they're trying to figure out like, well, maybe there's a way we can get it out of there. You know, and then they end up on the voyage to go to Wakanda. Wakanda. I love that throughout that whole exchange and that exchange takes place multiple times throughout the film where vision is willing to sacrifice himself to stop Thanos. And he points it out to cap multiple times that 
Cap sacrificed himself to stop the Red Skull and save everyone. How is it any different? And Cap said, we don't trade lives. That goes back and forth throughout the film. I like that they stuck with that theme Mm -hmm. up until the very end. Yeah. um, Until there there was absolutely no other choice. So we're then met with another scene change. Um, it, it tells you where we are. We're in space. We get the music. So that we... was hilarious. The The whole fucking theater went nuts during that scene change, and then it said space. <laughs> the whole fucking theater erupted into laughter. Same. And then, of course, it's the music. It's the feel. The Guardians are in the are in the movie now. They're, they're rolling in. They've got a new in. Milano. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all kind of... I love how like uh, Drax is falling asleep. asleep. Yeah, uh, you know Star Lord sitting there singing along, telling Drax, "You take it." And then Drax, <laughs> Gamora's singing. singing. She, she looks happy. Yeah, and uh, we got teenage Groot, angsty teenage Groot. I love it. I, I love like instantly his first one, like the uh, very I am Groot. <laughs> I am Groot. Yeah, he's sitting there playing the uh, our, our like. Arcade Defender, or de- like like Defender or something like that, mm-hmm. playing that, and it, pretty much the whole movie he's playing that damn game. Um, it, instantly, you're ported right back to the fun. Uh, it, the Guardians add that to this movie where it's sorely needed. Mm-hmm. The the you know the Stark stuff that's funny, that's light and witty with with Strange and calling him a wizard. That stuff, Squidward, the, and Squidward, everything else. But that's Stark. We, we, you know, he, there's gonna be that. Even he, he throws that in there during tense moments. But with the Guardians, the, the, those like, like the whole like dance off. You know, I love that they brought that up <laughs> back when they're on Titan. Yeah, and what was it? What was it when they were on Titan? It was either he that. that up. Yes, yes, because like yes, yes, because Stark is there. Yeah, he's explaining to Stark about the dance off that saved the galaxy. Be- well, because Drax brought it up. Yep. Uh, I Dra- I love Drax in this movie. Drax was great. Uh, uh, flash forwarding just a second, I love the him st- like standing still. Like, how long have you been standing there? An hour. An hour. I've been for- I've been perfer- perfecting my technique on on subtle movement. If I stand still enough, you won't be able to see me. I'm basically invisible. And he's like eating like snacks or something. And he's like like basically like some space nut. Yeah. He's like, we can see you. You're like, he says, my movements are so so slow. slow. You can't detect them. And the man just walks in. Hi, Drax. And he just leaves. (laughs) God damn it. He gets so deflated. (laughs) But Batista as, and it, it goes back to what I said about Josh Brolin as Thanos. And and I've talked on every podcast that we've talked about Star Wars, that we've talked about the MCU, and e- even the DC films. These production companies are nailing the cast so well. I don't know of anyone that I would replace Batista as Drax with. He has done such a good job as that character, and he really he really shines in this film. You know, it's funny. It's like when you get to the first movie of the Guardians and you see him as that character. And then by the second movie, he's really like he. It's like he really got it. Mm-hmm. He really gets what makes this character funny. Yep. And it's like the antithesis. It's like how he's so serious on the weirdest, stupidest shit, mm-hmm. where everyone else is looking at him and like, what? He's like, 
yes, this. <laughs> and then it, it, it's just how cold, rigid he is. And, and I think, and of course, this is his third appearance as the character. He, he has it. Yep. He, he's nailed it. He's got it. I can't wait to see him, you know, play the character again. But so the Guardians meet up with Thor. Uh, they got the distress signal from the Asgardian ship. Uh, they're hoping, you know, Quill and Rocket are hoping to get paid. Right. Uh, and then Drax brings up, well, if they don't pay, you just take their ship. <laughs> so here's Drax talking about being a pirate, you know. Right. Them kind of like saying, no, you know, we don't do that. We need money. Wink, wink. Wink. Um, of course, they go and like, you know, Thor's like the fly on the windshield, but he blinks looking in there. He's, but then they get him in there and he's not awake. And then uh, Mantis is kind of like feeling him. Uh, not sexually. No. Unfortunately. No. But uh, I'm trying to remember how they wake him up exactly. She she wakes oh, him. Oh, she wakes him up from that. Just like she put she puts people to sleep. Yeah. Peter she, Peter tells him to or tells Mantis to wake him up. And then he he jumps up just like he's still like, you know, fighting. right in the battle, yeah. And then uh, you know, that's where we get the sort of lowdown. Gamora just happens to be the adopted daughter of Thanos. Wow, you know, all right, cool. He has a you know, Thor has a plan and it's the exact plan that a lot of people thought he was going to do. Go get a Stormbringer. Uh, is it Stormbreaker or Stormbreaker? Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. My bad. Could be Stormrider. If you say it fast enough, Breaker and Bringer become the same word. Yeah. Uh, yeah storm- a little heritage coming at you. Heritage. <laughs> Stormbreaker. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, definitely Stormbreaker. Uh, so, yeah, you know, like that's. And then he takes. Uh, you know, rock you know, rocket is obsessed, obsessed with weaponry, so he's like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna go. Of course, he's doing that to kind of get away because they're they're splitting up because they're gonna go try and find you know you know Thanos and stop him, and you know they're gonna do they're the guardians, damn it! And of course, Drax wants him dead. Gamora wants him dead. Wants him dead. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we have motive here uh, to go forward and split up. So the crew splits up in two different directions. Um, to cover this next part of the plot. Before we move on uh, from the, or from or to the next part, were you disappointed or uh, surprised that we didn't see what's his name from Guardians Two that at the end of the film was wearing uh, Yondu's fin? Oh, I don't remember his mm-hmm. character's name, but at the end of Guardians Two, he was trying to perfect. The technique of using the fin with the with Yondu's arrow. Yeah. And uh, God, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember his name, but I I was kind of surprised not to see him, um, with the rest of the crew when they at the end of two when they showed him wearing the fin and trying to figure it out. I I fully expected him to not necessarily be in the Guardians fold all the time. Um, as far as frontline shit that they were doing, but I expected him to at least be somewhere reasonably close at all times. Yeah, you know, because he's he's kind of Peter's last attachment to Yondu. If you yeah. if if you could think about it that way, you know. So I don't know. I I was expect or I was disappointed not to see him. Um, obviously Nebula wasn't there. We get her later in the film. I loved the way they did that. Mm-hmm. But we'll go to the next sequence. Yeah, I, I'm just so, trying to figure out how I want to talk about it. I mean, obviously, we've already been going 
hour and 22 on this. Uh, I'm not sure how long we're going to be. As I said, I gave us no cap because uh, I know this is going to be discussed in like another another segment here as well, like pretty much the whole movie. So we're just kind of going over it. Probably we're going over. I don't know who's going first. I'm not sure what segment's first. Um, but uh, we are definitely going to talk the rest of it. I'm just trying to figure out where where I want to go next because uh, we okay yeah. So we let's go back to Thanos. So he's so he went to the collector to get is that when the reality stone. the reality stone yes because uh you know they basically they it was a trap mm-hmm. he's already got it yep he had it before he got the stone from xandar and um so like so he went to nowhere first got the reality stone killed everyone then went to xandar or no he got, he went to Xandar, obliterated Xandar first, got the power stone, then went to nowhere to get the reality stone. Killed I, I'm gonna assume the collector's dead. Yeah. I I don't I don't think we see uh what the fuck's his name? Is it Benicio del Toro? Yeah. I don't think we see Del Toro back anymore. Uh but yeah, it was a trap. It's a trap. Uh, because because we get this whole thing where Gamora seemingly kills him, mm-hmm. puts a blade right through him, right through the octopus. Yeah, of course we get the flashback around that time of her as a child. And, God, that was so well done. And uh, them obliterating her people, and then uh, did you did you notice during that scene that only half of them were killed? Yeah. I didn't notice until the scene was almost over because I, because the when when Thanos is giving Gamora the knife, the little de- double sided dagger to play with, mm-hmm. and he's kind of explaining to her his doctrine without explaining it to her, you know, he's explaining it to a child, so it's very simplified. Notice like the he knows who he's talking to, he breaks it down, uh, and he's. He makes her focus on that so she doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. I think this is a, says a lot about his character. Um, well, one of the one of the things that I said to Nate, you know, this is this is such a uh, kind of a culture shock to all of the heroes because up until this point, they have never really fought anybody that is the total package. Thanos is the total package. Loki was the mastermind who, in reality, was just uh, the henchman for Thanos, you mm-hmm. know, lusting for power, you know, mommy and daddy issues, brother issues, bam, done. And then with Ultron, Ultron was not the total package. You know, he was he was the super hyper-intelligent mastermind, still letting his henchmen do shit to, to kind of end his goal. And then you get to Thanos, and Thanos has been planning this for generations and has been putting all these plans into motion, but he's still doing all the frontline shit. Yeah. You know? Well, he it, it's better to just go out and get do it yourself. That's right. Um, uh, he's been working towards this goal that way he can accomplish his goal of basically genocide, of ridding half the universe of its population. Mm-hmm. And with the all the stones and the Affinity Gauntlet, he can do it and not have to do the invasion. The waste of resources. I'm sending his people in, the fighting, killing, taking over. 
that he could just do it. And well, be done. especially because that just goes against his goal. You yeah. know, one of the goals or one of the kind of tenets of his doctrine is resources are finite. To finance a war and and keep the war machine fed takes a lot of resources. Exactly. If you can do it with the snap of your fingers, that takes nothing. And you know, he said he goes he he goes. This is my goal, and doing that to that extent, that's mercy. Mm-hmm. Because then it's like it's over. You know, um, there's no fight, there's no pain, there's no suffering. It's just over. Um, and. Going back to that flashback of him sort of shielding her, taking her in from that moment uh, with that double-seated dagger, uh, she tried to look, and he goes, no, focus, you know, focus in on this. Uh, He's such a neat and well-done character because you see it a couple different times. The double-sidedness of, here's my goal, here's what I need to do, I don't care who's in my way, what's in my way to get this job done. And then his relationship with her, like, it's, it does go pretty deep emotionally for him. He is emotionally attached to her as a person. Yes. Even though he knows what she has done, you know, and what she would do. And of course, you know, he, he got to see right straight up for her that she would go for the kill, you know, and that's disappointing to him, but. You know, and, and but I I feel like at the same time he was proud of her in that moment, sure, because she did what he's trained her to do. Um, of course the they pretty much get get outplayed by by Thanos here. He uses the reality stone. We get this his his implementation of these stones and the power that they each have. We get to see him use them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like you saw Drax run forward and just get fall into a blocks. And then, like, uh, Mantis, like, slinkies out or whatever, you know? And then when when uh, Gamora, there's a big moment. I talked about this earlier when we were in, in on spoiler. Character A, we got to see character A, uh, which was uh, Peter Quill. Character B, Gamora. They are attached. They are in love. And she made him promise that he would kill her if Thanos had her. I know something. He cannot have this. Kill me, shoot me. And it takes a lot to get him to even get to the point where he's willing to do it. And there's like two points, maybe more than that, where you get to that point where there's like such human emotional acceptance of loss and what I'm about to do or what is about to happen. And they go through with it. And in this particular instance, uh, well, you know, there's Thanos and he, she, he shoots bubbles. So where it doesn't happen, he may, he purposely knew what he was doing, playing with him, making him go through the mindset and the thought process of I'm going to shoot and kill the person that I love and then not do it. So then you know you were going to do it. I love that <clears throat> Thanos' whole MO of doing this is so no one feels pain or suffering or loss. Mm-hmm. And... He, you know, in that scene, you know, through his dialogue that he's emotionally attached to Gamora. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, Gamora paints this picture throughout the series that Thanos is just basically, she is just his ward and his assassin and she's only a tool for Thanos. In that scene, you know, through his dialogue, you 
start to figure out that he is emotionally attached to her. She's more than just a tool. And as he put, when Peter shows up, the first thing that he says, and I loved it was, ah, the boyfriend. (laughs) It's like, he's been fucking keeping, he knows what she's been doing this whole time. He knows she fucking helped stop Ronan. He knew that when he sent her instead of Nebula to obtain the power stone that she was going to she was going to turn. She wasn't she wasn't going to bring him the stone. He had to have known it. So, I I just that that scene was one of my favorites from the film. So Thanos walks away with Gamora. Takes 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 her back to the ship. And here's another scene that I like where it kind of shows him like he brings her like a bowl of food. Uh, he's like, I thought you'd be hungry. And then they have like a little sentiment talk, you know, about bringing her. And she, of course, she's like completely like, you know, against him and what she, and what he's doing. But and he, everything, you know, she she throws a tantrum about mm-hmm. the throne. Yeah. You know, Thanos hate is this throne. room. hate that chair. He goes, I was hoping you were going to sit on that throne one day. You know, and then of course he takes her to another room, and there's Nebula being, well, pretty much forcibly pulled apart mm-hmm. piece by piece with her cybernetic enhancements. And then he starts torturing her to get the information that he wants the location of the Soul Stone. Because he knows through going through Nebula's memory that she has admitted to knowing where it is or the map of where it was. So then, you know, she says where it is, and they're going to go do that. So then we're going to go over to the other story in space. Uh, and that's Thor getting, you know, his his new axe. And we get to meet uh, the guy that's going to forge that. And it's, uh... I can't remember his name, but it was Peter... Like Idol. Yeah, it, but it was Peter Dinklage. I love... I When I found out that he was going to be in this film, I was like... For the love of God, do we need more people to add to the budget for no fucking reason? <laughs> but I loved his character. He, he did such a fucking good uh, job. Ironically, he was the tallest guy in the room. Yes. Um, he's this tall, big dwarf. Uh, of course, they're, like, they have this big store, uh, big uh, star forge. Ah, get it? Mm, see what you did there. Um, big star forge there where they make... Uh, that, 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 that's where the hammer, uh, Meow Meow, was made. <laughs> meow Meow. Um, and so now that it, it's uh, he, they reveal that he's the guy that forged the gauntlet to hold the stones, and then he killed. Every, then they just killed everybody, and then like it dipped his hands in the molten metal, molten metal. That way he can't forge anymore. And of course, with the help, they're able to get the the star fired up again. They, they you know they they get the, the the axe made, but but Thor has to pretty much take the full brunt of the star, get himself burned up. He's hurt. And, uh, uh, you know, like the dude's like, well, we need the hilt, need the hilt. And of course we see Groot do the first thing he's done since he's been in this movie. He's like, Oh, Oh, and then he, he makes the hilt out of his, that was awesome. Yeah. When he, when he made the, uh, the grip for Stormbreaker out of his own arm, I was like, fuck, way to step up fucking teenage Groot. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, uh, back on Earth in Wakanda, you know, they go there. They they reveal they might be able to get the stone out of there uh, without harming Vision, essentially, um, and try to retain his uh, neurons. And uh, Shiri, 
says that she she can do it but needs time. Well, they're getting ready to get like you know invaded. Invaded. So uh, uh, you know the warriors assemble. Uh, Wakanda soldiers are there, ready to go. Uh, the dude uh, was it ba- Umbaku. Umbaku. See, see, I thought it was Baku something because of FF nine. Um, my my brain just associates. Like, I get it, dude. I get it. Um, you can almost call him Embarku. There you go. Because he barks so much. Um, but you know, of course, there there's the the the, 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 the there's the shield, and they can't get past the shield. Uh, they end up throwing just thousands of just uh, mutant little warrior things. During the battle scenes, did you notice that some of, not all, but some of those creatures had human hands? Did they really? Mm-hmm. So what I would imagine is they were, throughout Thanos' conquests, these are people that he has captured and mutated into his minions. Foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting to note. Banner's in the Hulkbuster armor because he still can't Hulk. So it's cool to see the Hulkbuster armor back, and he's the one in it. I kind of thought that might be what was up. There was a lot of comedy associated with that, and my initial uh, theory about the Hulkbuster was that we were going to lose Natasha, a.k.a. Black Widow, during this uh, exchange on or in Wakanda, and that was what was going to push uh, Banner over the edge to become Hulk yet again and challenge Thanos. Uh Folks, we don't get Banner or we don't get the Hulk again throughout the film. We see flashes of it, and Banner says, "You know what? I'll do it myself." And I actually really liked that. The Hulk is, and I'm a Hulk fanboy. Don't get me wrong. The Hulk is my favorite character uh, in Marvel. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed at first that we didn't get the Hulk, but I thought this was very good character development. Um. It, it it sets the tone for Banner and the Hulk to truly become one. Right. One of the things... And for his glorious return. Yep. For the yeah. next one. You know, it's almost the green guy finally having a little respect for the puny guy. Because he's he went ahead and he still won it, fought mm-hmm. and, and he helped. Well, and especially because Ragnarok, you know, through all of Hulk's dialogue that we finally get, we finally get some Hulk dialogue in Ragnarok. Yeah. And, uh... The green guy talks a lot about how Banner's basically just a piece of shit and the Hulk is who he really is, you know? And Banner kind of steals the show uh, in this film. You know, he almost single-handedly defeats one of the children of Thanos. Yeah. You know, with a damaged Hulkbuster and at least half-assed at that time saves the day, you know? Right. Uh I really liked, uh, and like you know, the size and scope of this battle, which the trailers led you to believe is going to be big and epic, and it mm-hmm. was. All the heroes, you know, that were that were there. Of course, we get to see uh, Bucky strap up. He got his new arm. Uh, he, you know, he's strapped up, ready to go. Um, there's somebody that we missed earlier that I thought. I I looked at my phone for a second and thought that I had saw saw a name. Well, two people. While you're while you're looking at that, two people we have not talked about are Ant Man and that's, Hawkeye. That's yes, and and they explained them when when they got back earlier. Where are they? And they both stood against the Sokovia Accord, and they both struck a deal with the government to go on house arrest. Yes, 
Um, so that's going to set us up for the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. Mm-hmm. Because they already showed in the trailers where they talked about how he's paying dearly for that. And then that's going to, I assume, near the end of that movie, is going to co-align with the end of this movie. It would make sense. It has to. Um, that leads us, like this battle, the, uh, like uh, they're trying to protect the vision uh, thing going on because he's getting the, the stone extracted and some of the foot soldiers start to circle around so Black Panther decides to open up the gates, open up the floodgates and you know they all start storming in, the heroes start storming in, they have this big battle and they're starting to get overwhelmed a little bit and all of a sudden the Thor's axe could also summon the Bifrost. Boom! <laughs> Coming down right in the nick of time to save the day. Meanwhile, at the same time, we're also having a battle on Titan. Yeah. Yeah, we are, aren't we? Um, so I'll rewind for that. Yeah. At, at Right before the big battle in Wakanda starts, uh, Star-Lord, Drax, Mantis, Peter, and then strange Peter, young Peter... And uh, Stark Stark show up on Titan, have a small exchange, figure out that they're all trying to fight Thanos. Uh, Strange uses the Time Stone to figure out 14.6 million different outcomes of the battle against Thanos because they know Thanos is coming to Titan. And out of 14.6 million outcomes, one. Only one do they defeat Thanos. And at that time, when he says that that line of dialogue, I'm like, okay. So apparently in this film, they're not going to accomplish that one outcome. Something's going to go wrong, and shit's going to go down, and then we're all going to be screwed. And then as the film goes on, it makes you think, wait a minute, everything is playing out to make this one outcome come to fruition where they defeat Thanos. Well, um, because they start fighting Thanos. They they lay this trap, which was awesome. It was I, very well done. I love the I love the fight with them and Thanos. That was awesome. With uh, uh, Iron Man dropping a whole part of a building on him and uh, all of them ganging up trying to the their whole plan was to get the gauntlet off of him. Get that off of them, and then, you know... Because they could take him without the gauntlet. Yeah. They know they can. But, they but with it. the gauntlet, they can't. Right. And they almost succeed in getting the gauntlet off. And then Peter comes in. Because there's a part of here that we missed. Mm-hmm. We didn't touch on that we're going to go back. Because when he's back, he's got another stone. Because he went off with, uh, with, 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 with Gamora to get that soul stone. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, were you surprised by this cameo appearance? Yeah, very much so, especially because it wasn't the original actor. No. I didn't notice it. I didn't realize until after the film that it wasn't Hugo Weaving. Yeah. But, folks, we got the Red Skull, not Death, on Moravir is the planet's name. But, like, we are looking at Death, and it's actually Red Skull, played by Ross Marquand from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Did a damn good job because I didn't really notice it either. I didn't either. It's been so long, and maybe if I had seen Hugo Weaving's portrayal like yesterday, I side by side, it'd been oh, of course not. But like I'm like, whoa, 
All right. Well, it makes sense, you know, when when uh, the Red Skull grabs the Tesseract on the on his fucking uh, stealth bomber, he gets he doesn't get disintegrated, he doesn't explode, he gets teleported to Moravir because the Tesseract is a space stone. Yeah. So he gets teleported through space and time to Moravir, and he's been there ever since. And what I'm reading online is the speculation is that time does not. Time, you experience time differently on Moravir. That's why the Red Skull isn't fucking insane from being at on Moravir for hundreds of years. You know, because him and Cap are both super soldiers. They both have basically the same serum. Yeah. So they both don't age. But Red Skull's been on that fucking planet for a long-ass time. So he... uh he tells Thanos that to obtain the Soul Stone, he has to give everything that he loves. And as the scene kind of plays out, Gamora is elated because Thanos loves nothing. He's been defeated, and you see tears start to fall. Oh, fuck. What's happening? And more tears. And you can tell that Thanos is legitimately distraught and upset about what he's about to do. And Red Skull knows what he's about to do. Yeah. He knew immediately. And uh, no matter how how much she struggled, Thanos grabs Gamora and throws her off a cliff and sacrifices her to obtain the Soul Stone. Do you think Gamora is inside the Soul Stone, or do you think she's gone, gone? We'll talk about that at the end. All right. Um, Because the heroes almost get the gauntlet off. Peter Quill's there, about ready to do it, and then where is Gamora? And then Nebula realizes what's happened. And then, you know, they're like, Don't because how they have him they have Mantis on top of him. Pretty much holding him at bay. And then he says it. You know, and then Quill loses his shit. Starts smacking him with his gun. Hits Mantis in the head or in the hands. She loses her grip. Yep. Their plan goes to shit. And the sad thing is, uh, Stark stops trying to get the. So Stark and um, Spidey Spidey are trying to get the gauntlet off while everyone else uh, restrains Thanos. Drax and uh, Mantis and. um, Strange. Strange, yeah. And uh, Stark stops trying to get the gauntlet off to try and restrain Quill. And Spidey's almost got the gauntlet off. Yeah. It's coming off of Thanos' yes, hand. Yes, and he grabs it right... Right at the end. Yep. God damn. And then just decimates everybody. Yeah. Bye, y'all. Yep. And then... Uh, yeah, so then that leads into... Uh, the Wakanda battle. The Wakanda battle, and, and and you know that you know that stuff's going on. Of course, we already talked about Banner defeating one of the you know children. Uh, we didn't talk about. Uh, you said his name earlier. Um, the Maul. The, the yeah. Uh, he, yeah. On the way to Titan, Stark, Strange, and Peter. Yeah. 
kill them all by ejecting him out into space by using a pop culture reference from aliens, (laughs) which I I really dug that. I thought it was hilarious. The pop culture references, you know, we've already touched on that in this film were, were uh, on point, no doubt. All right. So, um, Thanos ends up, uh, stabbing Stark. I, I love that last part because Stark's suit is like, struggling to regenerate itself over mm-hmm. and over and over again as he just keeps getting pounded and pounded. But he keeps coming back. Yes. And it, it really... It, throughout that whole exchange, Thanos... At the end of that exchange, Thanos kind of gives Stark a revelation that Stark hasn't been the only one that's been having these dreams. Thanos has also been having these dreams, almost like their minds are are slightly mm-hmm. connected. So, Thanos stabs uh, Stark right in the gut, you know, which is an immediate death sentence. Yep. But he miraculously survives. Well, um, due to the sacrifice of the Time Stone. Yeah, Strange says, "Stop! If you spare his life, I'll give you the Time Stone." And he's like, "No tricks. There's no tricks." He hands it over, and then it's Tony's like at this point, like, no, I'm dead. Don't, you know, don't. And he's going against exactly what he said he was going to do mm-hmm. when it comes to Parker, when it comes to Stark, and and then their life versus the Time Stone. I'm saving the Time Stone. So why suddenly is Strange giving it up? Because this is the one outcome where yep. they win. They have to lose to win. Mm-hmm. I love the way that they set that up because initially throughout that fight, I was like, okay, they fucked it up. They've, yeah. they've lost their opportunity. You know, Peter messed up and now it's not, shit's not happening the way that it's supposed to. But in reality, that's the way it was supposed to play out the whole time. All right. So in Wakanda, they're still trying to get that stone out of vision. They end up storming where, the, where Shiri's trying to get it out. Vision's fighting one of the sons. Um, uh, you know, and uh, seemingly like they've kind of fought them at you know fought them at bay. They've kind of saved Vision, and then that's when he starts feeling more pain, and he's here. Thanos has now left Titan via the via via the Space Stone, and he is here. So um, Banner kills the Hulk esque yeah, yeah the big child dude. of Thanos, and then. Um, in a really well done uh, battle sequence, I thought. Yeah. A Black Widow and um, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch, Witch and um, I always forget the Wakandan general's name. Uh, she is is she O Okio Oki? How do you say her name? I don't remember. Uh, but she's Denai Guerrero. She's from Walking Dead. Yes. Um, shown. Yep. They uh they kill Proxima Midnight, the the female child of Thanos. Mm-hmm. So there's only one one child left. Um, Cap f- goes in to save Vision, and Vision ends up stabbing him with his own spear. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Vision experiences the pain. Yep. And here Thanos. comes here comes Daddy, big old Thanos, and uh, he starts tossing people aside. Everybody starts converging. Uh, he ends up putting the Hulkbuster into the rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just uh, takes War Machine and crumples him and tosses him down. We get that scene of Captain holding the Infinity Gauntlet, the gauntlet and him just like 
finally just taking his other hand and hitting him. But then, uh, you know, here's Vision going, we have no time. You know, we have to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And then so you have that, you know, sheer, because since uh, him and Scarlet, they're together and she has to kill him. Yep, because she's the only one that has that power. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, the, the whole time that Thanos is fighting off these guys, slowly doing the walk towards, she is trying to destroy it. And then she succeeds right when Thanos gets there. And then, of course, has that, you know, heartbreak. And then, of course, what did he just get? He got the time stone. Rewinds time. Boom. Rips the uh, mind stone out of uh, the Vision's head, and uh, the Vision is seemingly dead. Completely black. Completely black. Done. And uh, Thor comes in to save the day. With the fucking axe, man. Storm, boom. Stormbreaker hits Thanos right in the chest, and you, you know, I that was one of those scenes where I, or parts of a scene where I jumped to the edge of my seat. You know, I wanted to jump up in the air and exclaim, "They did it! They beat Thanos!" Well, Thanos says you should have aimed for the head, and with his hand, the gauntleted hand reaches up and snaps, and. uh <laughs> People start to disintegrate. Well, first he goes off into... Oh, yeah, he he uses the Space Stone and teleports out of there. Well, not right away. He's actually, Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. You go into this other realm, where it's, which is basically inside the Soul Stone. Mm-hmm. And you see uh, the gauntlet is severely damaged. His arm looks like it's been burned or extremely dehydrated. Well, it's like it couldn't withstand... That kind of power, and well, uh, Thanos had a has a conversation with Child Gamora, and seemingly inside the Soul Stone. Apparently, the Soul Stone, uh, whoever you kill, like whatever like enemies that like basically are taken with the Soul Stone, are held within the Soul Stone. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's thought that. This is actually that the little girl is actually Gomor, like the soul of Gomorrah. And he and she goes, Did you do it? What did it cost? And he says, Everything. And that's when we're sucked back. That's when we see the damaged um, gauntlet, and then he's gone. And then they're like, What? You know, what's going on? And then Bucky's the first one to fall, and he just crumples. And then one by one, People just crumpling into dust. And uh, a lot of them. One thing, so of all the Avengers that we lose, we don't lose any first generation. No. Um, I have the full list. Uh, I actually got this ready earlier. Bucky, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, Black Panther... Groot, dude, that got me. That was the first one. Oh, yep, because Rocket's so distraught. Star Lord, Mantis, Drax, Spider Man. That one was fucking tough. Yes, when he's like, like this little kid, dude. He's a, he's a he's a high schooler. Teenager. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. He just keeps telling Stark, "I don't want to go. I don't want to die." And Stark is holding Peter as he uh, 
disintegrates. And he just turns to ash in his hands. And then Strange goes, it was the only way. As Strange fades away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, one of the last scenes we see is Thanos saying what he wanted to do. Afterwards, he was going to rest. He was going to go and see the sun, see the sights of what we can only assume is his new home or where he's living. I would assume. Uh, not Titan, because Titan was, like... Destroyed. A, well, yeah. And then that's how the movie ends. And then we get the after credit scene, uh, which is uh, Nick Fury. And Agent Hill. And Agent Hill. They're driving. Of course, they are trying to make sense of everything of what's going on. Of course, we haven't seen them in quite some time. And, of course, they, there's an accident. And they're like... That well, the driver of that car that wrecked in front of them is now probably just disintegrated, and we start getting to see the chaos that's ensuing because half of the life in the universe just got wiped out, mm-hmm. and then you see Hill start fading away, and then Fury starts like kind of running, and you see other people falling around him, and he gets this thing out of his pocket as he starts fading away. Really funny moment because it's a pager. It's a pager, but then he almost says "motherfucker" as per Sam Jackson, mm-hmm. which that got a rise out of me too. Yep, me too. And then of course the pager falls, and it's it's leading on sending, sending, sending. Dot dot dot. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. And then so yeah, um, I have a list on who's remaining. <laughs> All of the first generation Avengers: Captain America, Black Widow, Iron Man, Bruce Banner, War Machine, uh, Okioki, Okioi, or Denai Guerrera. She's still around. Rocket Raccoon and Nebula. I was I was kind of surprised to see Nebula and um, Rocket survive, but it kind of makes sense. Rocket was something that was genetically engineered. He's not. He's not a naturally born being, and Nebula is no longer really living. She's kind of a robot. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. I she, mean, if you really want to nitpick it. I guess she's Stark's way off of Titan. Um, they said that we don't see if either M'Baku or Shiri disappear. I think we saw, when people started disappearing, uh, we saw M'Baku and he didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think M'Baku's gone. Uh, so, and then of course, I think when we get the new Ant Man movie, Ant Man movie is going to be be playing out as you know their own story to until the end, and then people start yeah. disintegrating. Yeah, would make sense. And then of course it's like what the hell, and the movie ends, and then we get an after credit scene or something. And then, of course, then we get March next year. We get uh, Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel, her story in the 90s, which is going to lead up, uh, you know, into the end of we're going to get see where she comes in. And she is reportedly going to be the most powerful Avenger or member of the MCU to date. Do, OK, my question for Captain Marvel, and I've been I've been waiting this whole time to ask this question. Do you think she is going to come in? And just steamroll everything, or do you think that Captain Marvel is going to be the one that just that gives just enough to turn the tide? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because you could easily do like a Superman thing and have her steamroll it, where it's like 
where the hell has she been, right? Right. Um, and, and, and I assume we're going to get that answer, why she has been sitting out this entire time with, uh, with the alien invasion, with Sokovia, with all this shit going on. Where the hell has she been? I assume we're going to get that answer. But Do you, um, do you think her film's going to be the Cree scroll stuff? Because it's confirmed that Ronan is in that film. Mm. But other than that, I don't know anything else. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know much else. Yeah, you know, either that's pretty much right. I've heard she's in it, he's in it, and Jackson's in it. Sam Jackson's in it. So Fury, because obviously Fury, right? When Fury um, first meets Tony, you know, he says a line like, "Do you think you're the first, you know, superhero to to you know, to ever lace a pair of boots or you know or, or do this kind of stuff?" Mm-hmm. And basically, back then they didn't know, but that's you know that that was almost like a throwaway line. But in a way, they're going back to that, saying that you know it's the the theme is foreshadowing, man. I'm yeah. telling you. Yep. There's there's dialogue that has been said for the last ten years that we don't think anything about, and it's if we if we dissected every movie line by line, we would find shit that's. Pointing to when everything that we've watched, you know? When you're looking at, like, an MCU movie, to me, this movie is the Empire Strikes Back of this mm-hmm. movie, of this of this series, of this franchise. You're not ever going to be able to duplicate this in the same way again. Uh, when you, like, because it, when you're in it, and you're in it when you're attached to these characters, it's like when Bucky falls down and you're thinking about Bucky from all the cap movies and their relationship mm-hmm. and cap has to watch that when you're looking at, uh, you know, Falcon and then there's like, the, well, then you hear war machine wanting to know where Falcon's at. He's yeah, yelling. Yeah. To see where Falcon's at. Exactly. And then, and there are two people that don't even get along. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you, then you have Drax, you know, he's going, and then Quill goes, and then of course, like you said, the whole emotional like, there's Tony. Tony didn't want him, want want Peter Parker there. Yeah, he didn't even want him there. No. And then how much do you think he he feels responsible for that? Mm-hmm. Even though I mean, even though like they felt like even though this is on a massive scale as as it is, he had to be the one to hold him. Yep. As he was, as his kid was terrified. The only thing that I'm worried about. Um... I feel like they've almost backed themselves into a corner with the writing because they've kind of set the precedent up until this film that nobody's really dead once they're dead. Um, and I feel like I feel like we were duped a little bit. We are definitely going to get a, a Dragon Ball Z ending, I feel, where a lot of this is undone, most of it. I feel like anybody who was killed pre-Snap or pre-Soulstone, I think Amora's still probably going to come back. That, okay. I, but you're saying like Loki and the Asgardians. Yeah, and Loki that and the Asgardians sense. collector, they're gone. What, uh, but like when, she, when when I was thinking that she's in the Soulstone, I'm thinking anybody else, anybody else who got snapped is also in there. Half the universe is in that Soulstone. Mm-hmm. So if they're able to undo it, that's how they all come back. Do you... Because here, here's where I'm at as far as the next film. I feel like 
regardless of what way that they find to restore everybody, somebody's got to make the ultimate sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked about that a lot. And I always come, I always go back to Cap as uh, as being the one. He's 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 the jump on the grenade guy. Well, and it, it goes back to that line in the original Avengers film when he says, when him and Tony are exchanging uh, on the helicarrier, he says, "You're not the guy to lay on the barbed wire and let." and let your men crawl over top of you while you're dying. You know, mm. you're sacrificing yourself for everybody else. And Tony has proved over and over again that he's willing he's willing to go to those lengths. But his persona always overshadows that and he's so deeply ingrained into PTSD and his uh failing mental health right now that you know, especially after leaving Peter or losing Peter, it, it doesn't make sense for me for anyone else to be the one to make that sacrifice. Look at their character arcs, how they were this, and then did this, mm-hmm. and then they had to—they're going to have to do this again. Yep, they die together. Ooh, I never thought about it that way. You know, they both fight. I'm it. I'm it. I'm it. I'm it. It's both of them. And then so these two characters who had such a bad falling out. Go out back to back. Yes. Because you have this whole line of other characters ready to step up in those roles. Captain Marvel. With Thor is going to stick around. Mm -hmm. Strange will be around. X-Men. Fantastic Four. Those guys coming in. Be interesting. I like that. Especially, you know, those two are the. Biggest budgets the, we, in the franchise. Well, those two are the biggest budgets, but they're also the cornerstone of this entire thing. They right. are the, they are the two biggest, and Thor's right now, right there with them now. But I mean, like those two are like everything hinges and and the whole Civil War thing. Are you on Cap side or Iron Man side? You know, and it's like like having having them both fight to be the one to have to sacrifice themselves. And Tony's like, it should be me. Captain's like, well, it's always me. So it's it's like not this time. Well, yes, this time. You know, and of course, you know. It's both of them. I, I think that'd be beautiful storytelling. I, I would agree. I really like... I, I haven't thought about that way, and I really like that. Well, we are two hours and four minutes into our segment of this. I don't know how long Nate's going to go with whoever he's going to talk to. So, uh, um, you know, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I, I stand by what I said. I believe this is a once in a franchise thing if they're able to duplicate this later on at a later date it's going to have to be a much <laughs> they can't do it within five movies they're going to have to do it once with a whole new cast of crew that people are attached to with galactus eating a world or something you don't think four will be along the same scale i think it's going to it's going to have to have a different feel uh in terms of starting off it's going to you're going to be reeling from this okay and then it's going to have to be like we have to do X, Y, and Z. We already tried A through that. Uh, we gotta, we gotta come up with a plan. To, like, is there any way? Because there, because there's gonna be a lot of loss and hope and hopelessness, and whether or not they can stop him and go back and get even revenge, or then it's gonna be the can we undo it? And someone's gonna have to have that idea, mm-hmm. and someone's gonna have to conceptualize that. So I, I don't know who does that. I don't know where that starts. You know, there's even a thought that Vision's not gone. That uh, that Shuri was able to save. Yeah, I've I've heard en- that a lot throughout him. today. That Shuri might have the ability 
because um, she was poking around in his head so much. Yeah. She's got 90% of him. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get Vision back. So, I mean, yeah, dude, I really enjoyed this film. Me too. I, I really enjoyed it as an MCU film uh, going forward. This is definitely a winner. Uh, I feel like it lived up for the most part. Uh, it was long. Didn't necessarily feel it all the way through. But, uh, you know, bouncing back and forth, it wasn't that hard to follow. Timeline was a little, little wonky. I'll forgive it for it because it's very entertaining. And it when it kept you gripped, it kept you gripped. As you said, on the edge of your seat, you know, they did so much right in this movie that I feel like it overshadows the little, the little things that are wrong. Yeah, like I said at the, at the beginning of this segment, I feel like throughout the film and as, you know, now I talk about it and, and, and I continue to decompress... I feel like I really have to look to nitpick it. And, I, you know, right now, as we're talking right now, it's the second highest opening box office yeah. ever. It deserves that. It 100% deserves that. So I really enjoyed it. You know, I'm, I, I would definitely be willing to see it in theaters again, you know, if somebody asked me. So I look forward to more good things uh, from Marvel and Disney. Absolutely. Well, I guess that's going to wrap it up for our segment. Thank you for joining me, Tyler. This was uh, needed for both of us, I think. <laughs> well, uh, we've been talking about this for so long. Well, like, you know, and we have other stuff we got to do tonight. The real reason why we were here to, was, was to do that stuff, mm-hmm. and we got to get that stuff done. So uh, we, we thank you guys for checking that out. Of course, you can check out Tyler every Thursday on the Podcastrophy show on the Journey in the Comics uh, Network. You can check me out on GIC Game Addicts. I'm over there on on that feed as well. And, of course, you can please go check out our new show, Podcast Menace. How did that work out that we got paired up to do this and we we, we can plug that show too? That just worked out. It does. Uh, just like how this movie just set up certain pairings that worked so well together. We One of my favorite scenes uh, – I like as much as like I got chills when Thor came in throwing down lightning, just wiping out shit with that axe. Bucky holding up rocket, spinning around, <laughs> spinning around. They're both shooting. I loved that scene. That was great. Pro- probably my favorite scene, and it's one of the most gut wrenching scenes, is where Thanos claims the the mind gem, puts it in his gauntlet. And then Stormbreaker comes flying through the air, embeds itself in his chest, and Thor says, "I told you that you would regret." I yeah, I I, I told you I'd kill you, or yeah, like it's that. And it's it, it it is immediate, you know, the upper echelon of happy emotion. We fucking did it. We saved right the day. Right at the last minute. And 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 should have aimed for that. Thanos just confidently. You should have aimed for the for the head. Snap. That that you can't do better than that. Absolutely. So. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We're gonna get back to the other part of the show to end the show. I don't know. I, I'm not gonna do the plugs. I think I'll let Nate do the plugs. So back to you, Nate. Hopefully, that's all you have left to talk about <laughs> is the plugs. Have a good one, guys. See Take ya. it easy. Well, that was fun. And now we're back, and um, we're now in Scotland. We're out of nowhere. Uh, we're in a different part of the journey now, um, <laughs> making our way eventually, hopefully, to Wakanda, I would say. But uh, it's time, V. It's time. It's motherfucking time. <laughs> if, by any chance, you're here 
And if by any of those chances that you are here, you've not seen Infinity War, but you enjoyed all of the buildup to this moment, please go ahead and enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. Journey into Comics for you is done now. We love you. Um, but for those of you who have actually continued to watch the movie, or who have actually watched the movie, you get to continue on this journey with us through the Infinity War, an epic special that we're doing of epic proportion and scale and size. And uh, also I want to mention that, we, you know, there was a lot of talk about when we were putting this episode together, like all the fans are bumping and buzzing about you know where Blaine is going to be in the episode, and I'm safe to report he's not on this episode he um he unfortunately is on house arrest right now after the, the Sokovia Accords went down. You know he decided that he would just be best to hang back with the family on the farm and be retired and be on house arrest for a little bit. He took a probably plea a smart deal. call. It was probably a smart deal, Blaine. So we are thinking about you, buddy. And I'm sure that by the time uh, the next portion of Infinity War comes around, we'll need your help to to solve this great mystery. But V, we're going to break down this fucking movie in some pretty cool detail. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, this was a big one. <laughs> Hugh, enormous, giant, massive. Those aren't words, I know. Yeah. That's how big it is. Mm-hmm. You have to make up new words for that. Uh, right, they don't play. Okay, so Marvel credit rolls the Marvel thing. And for the first time, instead of it being like any kind of... Superhero theme. It's silence. So it's and, already like, wah, wah. and you're like, Debbie Downer. something's not right. <laughs> you're hearing the distress call from the ship. But you knew, oh, based off of the end credits of the last movie, of Ragnarok, of yeah. Ragnarok, that this was what was going to happen. Was, you're like, okay, peace out, Asgard. Yeah, like, yeah, what was left of Asgard on that ship is gone, at least, at least so you, you would think is probably what's going to happen. And we find out right out of the gates in Infinity War that, yes, that is what's happening. Uh, <laughs> you were correct. The Black Order, which is Ebony Ma, Cole Obsidian, uh, Corvus Glaive, and Proxima Midnight. All names that I've never heard of until right now. Uh, I know they did. Even a, having well, no, not seen true. the movie. Actually, <laughs> didn't e- catch them. Ebony Ma's name is mentioned a couple times because uh, Thanos asks if the Ma is dead at one point in the movie, to Doctor Strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and we'll get into that in a short bit here. But this movie definitely doesn't play around. You know, Kevin, No, this movie ain't fucking around. Kevin Feige said, first five minutes of this movie, you're going to know we're serious about this, what we're, what we're trying to accomplish. And they were dead on. Uh, so it seems that the Black Order and Thanos show up on the Asgardian ship, and they do what Thanos has been doing. They let half of them live. And execute the other half as a mercy, right? And here's an interesting thing. You never see Korg. You never see Valkyrie. Never mentioned, not heard of. Meaning, they're most likely still alive in the, on the Asgardian half that did not get wiped out. Oh, I didn't even think about the other half. I, mean, I just thought they were all dead. They are not all dead. Not, oh. I mean, I wouldn't assume all, all of them are dead because some of them would have been able to escape or get out of there and have an opportunity to do so. You know? In space? Yeah, because well, there's escape pods and stuff. Okay. What if Korg and Mike were downstairs hanging out and they heard a distress and they were like, oh shit, Thanos is here, let's peace the fuck out. <laughs> let's not be a part of this. Well, seeing as we're just plopped right into the very thick of death and destruction, yeah. I guess we'll just have to wait and see for the next time. So Thanos <laughs> already has the power stone from Xandar when we find him. And in the gauntlet, and he's here to get the Tesseract from Loki, 
And Thor says that the Tesseract was destroyed on Asgard, which we know is not true. Mm-hmm. So Loki, after saying that Thanos could kill his brother, against his better judgment, decides, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Here's the Tesseract. You can have it. And then he tried to double... Well, he actually said... He goes to give him the thing. And this is where the movie officially is picked up. Because as he goes to give him the Tesseract, he tells Thanos, we have a Hulk. Mm-hmm. And then Thanos and Hulk just get into a duking it out battle that sets everything else in motion. And that's when this movie really starts. Because it's a little... Like the first few minutes is a little slow. And we were talking about that. There's only like really two slow parts in this whole movie. The first being the first like two minutes of it. And then, and then as soon as Hulk comes in and just starts beating ass, it's like, okay, this movie's really started. Well, he tries to beat ass. We think he's got the hand. Right, right. And, uh, but no, we, it's Thanos. And he just, <laughs> he fucked up Banner enough to where he was like knocked unconscious as the Hulk. Right, so Mr. Hero Heimdall sends him. As his like last move with mm-hmm. the Bifrost before, well, he knew he was going to die by doing yeah. this. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a death call, but you essentially, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Hulk is Silver Surfer in the storyline of the actual Infinity Gauntlet comic. Mm. Because, see, in the comic, Silver Surfer comes crashing through the Sanctum Sanctorum where Doctor Strange and Wong find him, Mm -hmm. and he says, Thanos is coming. So in the the movie, it's Bruce. It's Bruce instead. So before we get to that part, though, Loki decides to one last time pledge his undying allegiance. Very important. He says he'll pledge his undying allegiance to Thanos. And as he does, he tries to get daggers out. You know, he does his little dagger trick where he just like makes him show up out of fucking nowhere. And he goes to stab Thanos, who used the fucking space stone to just stop him in his tracks. Yeah. Boom. You can't move. Frozen in space. Boom. Enjoy. And says, oh, your undying allegiance. Poor choice of words. Mm -hmm. And grabs him by the neck and we get our second major death. Right out of the gate in Infinity War. First Heimdall getting stabbed by way of Thanos and the uh, weapon of Corvus Glaive. But then, obviously... Loki. Man. that Right one, in front of Thor. <laughs> fucking brutal. Because yeah. like all the times you've seen Loki die before, this one... This one felt pretty final. Man. Like choked out, his neck snapped, his eyes were bulged out yeah, of his it head. Yeah, it was pretty savage. Like, this and, movie's not fucking around. And then he just gets dropped in front of him. Boom, the explosion happens. Sanctum Sanctorum, there's Hulk. Mm-hmm. This movie just jumped from little storyline to storyline, which I kind of liked. You know, it, I appreciated it because it, it felt every story felt like it was developed. Not and not only developed, it led you where you needed to go without you realizing that was where you wanted to be. Right. And it was like it every gave time, you what you needed. And you it, know. I feel like every time they did the jump, it was like you'd be gone from certain characters for a while, and you'd be like, "Damn, I like." Where the fuck what is are they Star doing? Wars? What are yeah. they doing? And boom, mm-hmm. here they'd come on the screen. Like, gave you what right, you wanted. Right around when you would think you'd need somebody. So uh, I really did enjoy that. So obviously uh, Banner crashing into the Sanctum Sanctorum kind of shakes shit up. And as this is all happening, Tony and Pepper are in the park. They're having conversation and trying to plan out their future. And he's talking about this was a great mystery. He had the arc reactor again. <clears throat> Yep. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Remi- that got removed in Iron Man 3. Like, what? He said he was giving up being Iron Man. Right. But the- but the arc reactor is still there. Like, what's going on? But what you learn is it just is a housing unit for his nanotech. Yeah, so his suit can suit. just... 
It kinda, Where's his super suit? It kind of reminded me of Black Panther's suit, actually. Yeah, yeah. Which they never make the connection if the nanotech is from Wakanda or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but right as they're like saying, oh, no more surprises. Tony keeps saying, no more surprises to Pepper. We're done with surprises. This yeah. is just if there's a monster in the closet, no more surprises. As soon as he says that, a big hole opens up. And surprise. <laughs> Here comes Dr. Stephen Strange meeting Tony for the first time. Holy shit, epic moment. Tony Stark, I'm going to need you to come with me. And he's like, you handing out tickets or something, pal? Like, he's like, what in the fuck? You know, because he has never interacted with Strange or know anything about him. Right. You know? So, um, like Tony's a man of uh, science, not wizardry. Exactly. And I love that he keeps calling him a wizard just yeah. like through and through, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's a line that you frequently get used to. So he goes to the Sanctum Sanctorum because Bruce shows up and I will say, I want to mention this after the second viewing that watching RDJ's reaction to Mark Ruffalo's return mm-hmm. was like literal shock and heartbreak of like, Something's wrong if you're here because you've been gone for a long time and I don't I don't even know what the fuck. Right. You know, so what is going on? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, Thanos is coming. He's a plague, Tony. He just wiped out. Thor is dead. He tells Tony right. Thor yeah. is dead because it seems like Thor was killed because he got exploded by the Power Stone. So, well, at least you think he got exploded by the Power Stone. Anyways. Right, right. Um, so Sorry, I'm eating these Sour Belt candies while fine. we're talking. No, you're fine. It's totally, absolutely okay. Yeah. But... So they're talking and they're trying to discuss the plan. Of course, Tony being the egotistical maniac that he is kind of assumes that he's the leader, but he doesn't really know Dick compared to to Doctor Strange and Wong, obviously, who kind of have a better handle on things. Mm-hmm. So while they're kind of all bickering and talking, uh, Banner gets filled in on the reality that is the news from Civil War and that the Avengers are no more. Um, they've been broken up. And Cap and Tony are not on speaking terms. And one beautiful, hilarious quip in the movie. You guys are breaking up? You mean like like a band? Like the <laughs> Beatles? Like it was perfect, you know? Because uh, it just is that little bit of comic levity this movie needs consistently. Mm-hmm. That's one thing it does consistently is give you enough comic levity yeah. to when the dark shit happens, man. And I appreciate that they did that with Thor's character. They brought him out of that like really stiff medieval thor and more into like the thor that was in ragnarok and and one thing you got to think about when talking about the thor character is that fits his progression because you got to think thor is stuck in asgard and in the very very beginning of all this he's living his life in asgard mm-hmm. then he has his first exposure to the avengers and avengers and then he's gone and then he goes back and he's dealing with dark elves and bullshit. And then he has a second time with the Avengers, so he's learning to be human more. It's the yeah, human Yeah, I like his side. evolution. Correct. So then by the time he goes out into Ragnarok, he's a more humanized Thor. He's a funny, witty, kind of joke-making-y guy because he's picked up human parts from being around humans. Right. Well, I blame Guardians of the Galaxy for the Thor transformation because of the success of that movie. They had to have been like... Yeah, we need to make this shit a little bit funnier. Well, yeah. I'm Especially fine. after Thor Dark World. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, it, but Thor Dark World serves a great purpose. That's where the ether comes from. That's where the reality stone is in the MCU. It does serve a purpose. It's not a terrible movie. It's just a poor narrative, yeah. um, which we don't even need to get into that today because they've got a bigger fish to fry. Hmm. Um, so they're bickering and stuff. And it's like, Tony, make the call. Tony, call Cap with the, the you know flip phone that cap gives him which i love yeah. he gives him the old flip phone um 
and he's like, you wouldn't happen to be moving your hair right now, would you, Doc? Yeah, the wind is blowing. And Strange is like, no. And then I will say one thing this movie did that made, like, like, even right now my heart just started racing thinking about it a little bit seriously, is the silence. When it went silent and you would hear, like, the wind mm-hmm. or the Q-ship coming down or whatever, like, mm-hmm. it felt, holy fuck, taking the soundtrack out of it put you on the street in New York. Right, knowing that this that. is a di- this is different. <laughs> So, yeah. this Q-ship has showed up, and they're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on, and Strange sends a blast to it to try to kick some of this stuff back, uh, the dust and whatnot, and just then it cuts to Parker. He's on the bus. Oh yeah, the Spidey sense is tingling. And we're going to talk about Spidey sense later, and it's going to be heartbreaking. It's uh, <laughs> Okay, so... He's like, he sl- kind of slaps Ned in the face and he's like, Ned, create a distraction. And Ned doesn't really hear what he says. Like, you can tell Ned doesn't hear him. He just sees the ship and he's like, holy shit, we're all going to die. And he runs to the back. Stanley's cameo. Bus driver. Awesome. Mm-hmm. What? And this is a line I didn't catch because of the crowd. They popped so loud for Stanley, I didn't catch what line he even said in the movie. Could you tell me what he said? I don't remember. No, what? What, have you kids never seen a spaceship? Oh, no, I didn't catch that. Because the crowd was clapping the whole time through it. Yeah. His cameo was so short that the clapping just overlapped his, his line. Mm-hmm. You know, Parker goes off and heads towards the Q-ship. And uh, then we kind of get into the real fun. Because now it's like uh, Ebony Ma has showed up with Cull Obsidian. And Ma, you know, just the, the very mm-hmm. peaceful... Ebony Maw, you know, I, yeah. I love that character. Oh, it was so perfect to the comics. Um, this he, movie was so Doctor Who. Oh, also very much. So there's the big fight scene on the street there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ultimate goal being that Strange is going to get captured and taken taken on the Q-ship, taken back to Thanos because of the time stone. Mm-hmm. It's under a spell. Can't get it. Yeah, which I think I have a thought on the spell, which is that that while the stone is not actually in the necklace, no one can get in it Mm, at all. That's that's the basic spell. That's not a death curse because you would never think about that. Anyways, uh, so this is where shit really picks up because uh, Spidey shows up and Tony's like, oh, hey, kid, like we're fighting these aliens. There's wizards. Shit's weird. Um, aliens in space. And he's like, okay, Mr. Stark, like, how can I help? And then he's like, go chase that wizard because um, the cape has taken the, like, knocked out Doctor Strange and is trying to get him away from, from Ebony Maw. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Ebony Maw puts him in the ship. And we get the beautiful scene where Parker is on the Q-ship. It's going into space. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in the trailers. Tony's shooting towards it. And Parker going high enough into space, what's going to happen? Get knocked out. Can't breathe. Mm -hmm. So he passes out. But luckily, uh, 17A gets shot from uh, Friday in uh, uh, Stark's tower. Yeah. I screwed that up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 17A is the Iron Spider. Oh, it looked dope. Oh, my God. Look, look. 
big fan of the comics, huge. And you said that the second time you saw this movie, it was in 3D. So that was part of the the thing that benefited from the 3D was Spider-Man. Oh, definitely. In several scenes. Because I didn't see it in 3D, so I don't know. We did not see it on premiere night in 3D. My dad just prefers it. He really gets him. Well, I wear glasses, so I prefer not to just because I get kind of headachey. Yeah, that's better. Butt cheek was hurting in that chair. Oh, adjusting. (laughs) Just adjust here. Anyways, back to it. So, Spidey, Spidey, you know, flips and he lands on the Q ship and and he's got the awesome Iron Spider thing. And then Iron Man's like, Friday, send him home. And the parachute deploys and takes Parker away. Mm-hmm. And Iron Man gets in the Q ship. He, he sneaks in, you know. And uh, right as soon as we're getting acclimated with this story, here come the Guardians. Mm-hmm. And we get another shift in the movie. Tonally, here we are in a whole different place. And they're singing and it's Guardians, you know. It's about the music. Yeah. And they're kind of in this moment and uh, they're going to this distress call. And Rocket's like, why are we going? And they're like, because someone might need our help. And then Quill's and they like, might pay us. they <laughs> might pay us. And then Drax is like, and if they don't pay us, we'll take their ship. And then everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, except for Gamora. And then I love that Quill looks at her and he's like, <laughs> like he's like, we're not gonna do that. Don't I worry, promise. We really won't do yeah, that. Don't worry, we won't. But um, as as they're Groot's every... playing his video game, and then you know, like a moody teen, we don't know what he says, but I am Groot, you know, like all like pissy, snotty, and they're like, whoa, you know, like don't talk like that to us, kid. Um, this is obviously where we find Thor. He's floating. Boom! He smashes into the thing. Mantis Still alive. uses her powers to feel. He feels um, great anguish and suffering and anger and agony and all these things because of what he just witnessed and they wake him up and he's got this you know man there's some beautiful moments between chris pratt and chris, and chris hemsworth yeah that was a, an interesting scene i liked it uh, it was a peter quill's masculinity was called to question in his own mind <laughs> you are a dude this is a man <laughs> yeah don't pet his muscles and she throws his hand down. It's like okay fine i'm getting that's uh, that's it i'm getting a bow flex you know like <laughs> oh yeah and then they called him fat yeah they call they essentially call, yeah rocket says what you're one what did he say he's like you're one donut away from being fat or something yeah something like um, but uh rude super rude uh ultimately thor's like i need to create a weapon to, to kill, kill thanos, thanos yeah and He's going to go to, and I got it, Nidavellir, that's the place, Nice. where um, there's uh, the giant dwarf, um, oh, I can't remember his name, it starts with an E, it's like E-L, what did, I gotta, I'm going to look up what Peter, it's Peter Dinklage's role, spoiler alert, oh wait, we're in the spoiler portion of this thing, so <laughs> if, you've tar- if you're not turned back by now, it's much, much, much too late. Um, Peter Dinklage. Do you want to carry on with what kind of starts in, um, okay, after Nidavellir, the news that, Th- that Thor is heading there, mm-hmm. which, by the way, the whole, like, uh, Chris Pratt deepening his voice. Oh, yeah, that was funny. That was funny. You're doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I just wanted to keep watching Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Like, that's what I thought it was. You know? It was going to morph I was like, into... oh, could it just be Guardians of the Galaxy 3, please? I can't wait for that. But I don't know. Is that When is that supposed to be coming out? 
Guardians 3? Yeah. Yeah, uh, 2020. 2020. Which, uh, shockingly, is only a year and a half away. Whoa. Oh, my God. It's 2018. That's right. Isn't that crazy? You're br- I, you guys, okay, that time out. That freaked me out. That was the greatest <laughs> podcast moment that no one will ever see because podcasts are not visible. But your face just then, when the realization that only a year and a half from now we will be in 2020. See, for me, I still feel like it's 2015 or something. I know. It feels like, like 2008 or some shit up in yeah. God. So, uh, I'm like the type of person that feels like 10 years ago was still like 1995. Ah. Uh, Dinklage's character was called E-Tree. Okay. E-Tree, that's right. I wouldn't have known that. So they go to Nadavalier to find E-Tree, and we'll get into that in a minute. But before we go there, we actually end up in Scotland, as we talked about. Yeah, for the only other really slow part of this movie. Which is slow. They're trying For a reason, whatever. Yeah, for a reason. They're building the Scarlet Witch vision thing. He's human for this one thing, which I kind of like that they did that for this movie, Mm because it gave... um, uh, 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 Paul, uh, Paul Bettany, thank you, mm-hmm. an opportunity to be normal selfed, you know. Yeah, I liked in that. In a movie. I, I, love, I love their relationship. I like that there is a romance aspect to this movie. I mean, as a woman, I can appreciate that as, you know, whatever. But it was a little slow. Yeah, it, it was slow for a minute and then jump scare moment. Yeah, that was super rude. Corvus the only Gl- jump scare in the movie. Because Corvus Glaive stabs Vision through his back. And Vision couldn't phase through it. He didn't even see it coming. So it's like all too late. Right. You know, and shit gets rough. And another Poor scene, Vision, this whole movie, he just gets like pwned. It, yeah, this is uh, Vision's worst day at work.com. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like Vision gets fucked at work.com. You and know? then the, when they like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a harsh one. Um, rough day. Should have stayed in bed, dude. Robot explodes on young woman. Like that's the that's the porn hub for Vision's Ugh. bad day, you know. Gross. Uh, so, anyways, um, he's getting the shit kicked out of him. As and Scarlet Witch is trying her best too. They end up getting thrown into like a train stationy place where, and then backup shows up. Boom! Here comes Captain America. <laughs> Here to whip some ass with uh, Black, Black Widow. Widow and Falcon. Sporting new blonde hairdo. Yeah, so <laughs> so they are all together and they defeat and stop Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight. And of course, Black Widow does definitely make a fuck up here. They should have killed him. Yeah. Because and you know actually she says Proxima Midnight says if you you know if you didn't kill us now you're not going to get the chance again right and well we'll we'll get into that but <laughs> uh, yeah uh so that's flash coming out of that they end up going back to avengers tower where rody is talking to thunderbolt ross who is one of our surprise cameos as is stephen mcfeely who wrote the movie mm. they're in the holograms the council the high council that's like running the cords and everything mm-hmm. essentially He's trying to tell Rhodey to arrest Cap when they show up. And he's like, yep, nope, we need him. Like, yeah, you're court fucking marshal. dumb. Like, oh, there's the court martial. Doesn't matter. Good to have you back. Like, let's get on the mend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Rhodey tells them, you guys look essentially like shit. Um, Falcon saying, like, well, there's not really many great five-star hotels when you're on the run. And uh, here comes Bruce Banner to reunite with Natalie. Or N- Natasha, sorry. And every time they call her Nat because of your sister Nat, it just oh, like... Oh, yeah, you think of Natalie. It's just like, for some reason... Yeah. Anyways. Natasha. So, yeah, Natasha Romanov uh, reunites with Bruce, and it's like a good-to-see-a-good-feel-good moment. 
and they yeah, realize, that was a long time coming. They realize there's only one place that they can go, and that is Wakanda so, forever. So Panther, we jump to Panther, and he is telling Akoya that the war's coming, like the fight's coming to us. We got to go get some shit done, and they go. They got to go get Bucky. They go give Bucky his new arm, his uh, vibranium arm, mm-hmm. and man, which led to a really cool scene later in the movie with Rocket. Absolutely, which was a, another huge moment. There's a scene that like is forever burned in my head that I want to talk about later. So, um, you know, we're jumping through all this stuff, and also, you know, Thanos is still on his mission. Right, he so, wants to wipe out half of existence. While Thor and company went to uh, Thor, Rocket, and Groot go to Nadavalir to find each to the get elf. the forge going to for build the weapon for killing Thanos. Stormbreaker. Yeah, dumb name. Uh, <laughs> it's from the comics. Uh, dumb name. While that's the case, Gamora, Drax, Quill, and Mantis are going to go to nowhere, where we were at in Guardians. Right, to find the Collector. To find the Collector and get the Reality Stone. Mm-hmm. And they go there, and the lights are off, and no one seems home. And Gamora's we... already made Quill promise to, to off her if he, if she's going to get taken. That, actually, I'm glad you brought that up, because that led to a very funny moment that was an audible. I don't know if you all know this, but this was actually an audible by James Gunn. He... Uh, he he was, you know, because they all, all the directors were there for every bit of filming to interact and to t- discuss, like, this is what our characters would do in this scenario. How can we change it? And the the eating thing with Drax when he's, like, moving really slow yeah, was a, it was a James Gunn move. That's funny. Yeah, that they put in the movie. So it was, it, that's really awesome. So anyways, uh, when they get there, Thanos's foot on chest of... The collector. Benicio, right? Yeah, and he's not having a good day. <laughs> and uh, essentially, Thanos throws him in a cage, and uh, Quill is still not... He, he he is the captain of... Well, he's trying to be the captain, but after the fuck-ups that he had made previously, it seems like Rocket's trying to be more of the leader mm-hmm. and step up. And no one's really listening to Quill anyways. He's like telling everybody to hold up when they're in nowhere and they just keep walking past him. And he's like, right. oh shit, okay, I guess we're going, you know. And he tells uh, he tells Gamora and Mantis to go on their left. And they go to the right. And he's like, other left. like, <laughs> And uh, Gamora kills Thanos. And you're just like... That was too easy. Wait, what? Like, what the fuck is going on? And then you hear this voice. Is that sadness I sense in you, daughter? Mm-hmm. I would not have expected that from you, you know? And then it's like, boom, the reality stone has already been captured by Thanos. He was just fucking with them. Mm-hmm. Clever writing. It's brilliantly done. He reveals that what they were looking at wasn't even real. The Collector, probably dead. Mm-hmm. You would presume he's another well, major death. the whole place was engulfed in flames. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, there's a... Uh, I don't know. Do you ever see Arrested Development? Mm-hmm. Do you ever... Do you know the Tobias Funk character? Mm-hmm. The blue man thing? So there's a dude that looks exactly like that that's in the cage in the collector's scene in the Oh, movie. really? Because <laughs> the Russo brothers directed several episodes of Arrested Development. Oh, no shit. So they, in Civil War, 
there's a, a car that has stairs on it, like a stair car for airport. Mm-hmm. It was from Arrested Development. They always sneak an Easter egg from Arrested oh, Development. Oh, that's in. funny. So Tobias, I can appreciate that. So Tobias <laughs> Funk being in there, it wasn't actually the guy that plays him, but well, yeah. it was a species that looked like him. I like so. Easter eggs. Those are fun. Yeah, it was great. So Thanos, of course, this is when shit really, really starts to like really get real because he captures Gamora. And this is the moment that she had warned Quill about. If it comes down to it and Thanos captures me, you kill me. Mm-hmm. You have to. You promise me. He, yeah, she made him swear on his mother. Ooh, and you know, like as soon as he, as soon as she said that to him, I was like, he knows she means it. Mm-hmm. That's the most serious thing she could say to him because right. that's like a, you don't fuck around with Quill's mom, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, Thanos has her, and Quill has the gun pointed at Thanos and call, says he's gonna blow that nutsack for a chin off of his face <laughs> and calls him grimace and hamburglar or whatever the fuck it was grimace not hamburglar grimace is the big purple guy <laughs> uh you know he's gonna blow that nutsack of a chin off of his face and then uh gamora says not him me <laughs> and quill's like no come on like no like i'm not gonna do this and thanos is like <clears throat> she asked didn't she <laughs> walks him walks gamora to quill Makes him prove and his love. And makes him do it. And Quill goes to shoot her. And this is like a, again, heartbreak Hard of a moment. Work. You're at the heart. You're fucking getting your soul ripped out right now. Gamora's going to die. Oh, yeah. At the and hands then they exchanged love vows. And it's an I love you, I love you. And then bubbles. Hmm. Thanos has the reality stone. He's not going to let Gamora die. Come on now. No, he went through all the trouble to get her. Boom. Space stone disappears into the nothingness. He's got other plans. He goes back to his ship, and we are back on the Q ship where Doctor Strange is getting tortured. And Ebony Maw is torturing him and trying to get him to give up the stone. And we find out that Spidey snuck aboard the Q ship, even though he wasn't supposed to. Yep. Kind of works out, though, because while Tony's really pissed off at him, also Tony has a, a jump scare moment himself. When the cape taps him on the shoulder. Oh, yeah. And he's like, holy sh... You know, like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's not cool. So, Parker's like, hey, we got to come up with a plan. And Tony's like, okay, fine. What would you do? Like, you think you know it all, kid. What would you do? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you ever seen that really old movie, Aliens? <laughs> and then they... Keep throwing up pop references. Yeah, so he just blows a... a th- they end up... Blows a hole in the hall. And... Ebony Maw gets sucked out, and it was awesome. Like I was like, "Holy fuck!" They get they they got rid of Ebony Maw so fast. Mm-hmm. Except for Ebony Maw can't die because Thanos has the Reality Stone, which can change the laws of time and and every. We'll get into that. Hmm. So and we'll talk about that too. So um, <coughs> and also, if they do anything like the comics, Ebony Maw actually has a, an artifact on him that makes it to where even if he dies, he doesn't die. He always resurrects. But he's like frozen so, in space. But, but he can still resurrect. All he has to do is be collected from Thanos and he'll come back. Can't we just be done with his storyline? Because even Thanos was like, oh, I've lost him. Yeah, because he asked later if the Maw is dead. Mm-hmm. And, Strange and he like, doesn't do anything to remedy that. So, <laughs> Well, duh, the Maw is dead. So anyways, now they are on the Q-ship that is flying to Titan. Mm-hmm. And Tony and Strange get into it. And Strange is like, look, I don't, unlike most other people, I don't work for you. We need to get the time stone back to Earth. Tony's like, no, we have a better chance to take the fight to him where he's not going to expect it. That's the play. Make Thanos not expect what we're going to do because he already has the upper hand. 
thinking we'll go back to earth if we free ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's easy. So anyways, they, um, I'm trying to think what happens after that. Cause it jumped around so much. Like it kind of got jarring in a couple spots. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. Good. I just thought I lost you for a second. No, no, I was just trying to think about where we were at in the timeline of this yeah, movie. I feel it's like, getting late and stuff, you know. So it's, um, I feel like they probably go to the forge, right? Yeah. Where E Tree is, and we find out that he that Peter Dinklage is E Tree, mm-hmm. and he's a giant dwarf, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he forged the gauntlet for Thanos, um, and then Thanos killed every dwarf except for him, and. Um, molded his hands in metal so he can never do anything again but we learned that thor's like no it's all in your mind like we got to do this um they so have he has to reignite a dead star. star yep and it's awesome they use the pod that rocket and groot and him took mm-hmm. groot stays with e-tree that's very important to note somebody asked like how is e-tree hearing them when they were talking because they were talking on the comms groot had his comm with e-tree rocket was with thor trying to get the thing started they mm-hmm. eventually do get it started um but the thing that opens the iris of it that opens it blows out mm-hmm. the star power is just too much and it just blows out so thor's like fuck it i'll stand there and it, i will say this is like the to me this is the worst line in the movie because peter dinklage is like you'll die <laughs> and, and then thor's like not if it doesn't kill me and he's like <laughs> But that's what dying means. <laughs> you take the full brunt of the star, kid. You know, like, and I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, come on. That's like a little corny. Anyways, so long story short, he forges Stormbreaker, but there's no handle. Groot's just sitting mm-hmm. there. And his one moment in the movie yeah. really lets him shine. He forges with his own twigs and branches a handle for Stormbreaker and chops his own arm off. Yeah, that was dope. And... Then shit's really about to pop off, but we got to jump back for a minute because we got to get to Wakanda where everybody shows up. They're going to work on vision. They're going to try to, they're going to try to remove the, the mind stone from him without any drama. And of course, visions fail safe is this doesn't work. Wanda kill me. You're the only one that can do it. Right. She's the only one that's powerful enough to destroy the mind stone. Literally the only one. Because that would be the only way of preventing Thanos from having it. Correct. to be destroyed. Correct. And that just ensures that he can't do the thing he wants to do. Right. So a big battle ensues while, uh, what's her name? Uh, Shiri. Shiri, yeah. Is working on surgically, Thanos. like, take it out of him. Um, and then we jump yet again to Thanos on his sanctuary ship with Gamora. And the reveal where the soul stone is. Mm-hmm. It's on Vormir, and let's just go right to Vormir because this is a big, shocking, massive moment. And I found movie. that out through a, a torture scene with Nebula, like the only part that she was in the movie. One of the few parts she's yeah. in, yeah. Which I love that she was all like taken apart, like she had been lunging at Thanos, yeah. and he just stopped her mm-hmm. and just pulled her apart. It was nuts. Ugh. So from her memories, uh, you know, Gamora says that she found a map to the Soul Stone. And that this, that map has been burned, which means no one can get to it. She's the only one that knows. Mm-hmm. But that means that Thanos is going to make her tell her. Or she's gonna, he's going to kill Nebula. Nebula. 
And she admits it's on Vormir, so they go. And they start heading up the mountain of Vormir, and when they get right to the, like, top, a, a voice starts to call out, you know, oh, Thanos, child, you know, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? Oh, man, I was not ready for this see, cameo. Well, and then you see what I thought was fucking Lady Death, because it's the cape floating. I was like, oh, my God, they brought Lady... They said they that Lady Death wasn't going to be a part of this movie because essentially what we find out in the movie is that Gamora is the love and not the actual love interest of Thanos, but everything Thanos is doing is out of love for Gamora, and we learn that in a really hard way coming up. But when you think Lady Death appears, boom, shocker. Red Skull. Red Skull shows Out of nowhere. Up. That was crazy. Uh, Ross Marquand, who plays Aaron in The Walking Dead, was actually... It wasn't Hugo, Hugo Weaving. Weaving. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't in this movie. Uh, which means if they if that happened, that opens up now that since Hugo Weaving probably waived his right to be that character and Ross Marquand did such a good job, they can bring Red Skull back for more stories. Yeah. And that's huge. You know, the possibility of that is epically huge we could have masters of evil there's a whole lot of stuff that could happen for that <clears throat> so uh they get to the top of vormir and uh red skull says the soul stone works very specifically a, so- a soul mm-hmm. in exchange for the stone but it can only be the one you truly love and gamora's laughing she's like huh thanos doesn't love anybody so i win you fucking lose you can't mm-hmm. get it and she she gets real cocky because she says see you were a child begging for a toy or treat, a prize, mm-hmm. and the universe told you no, and you get what you deserve. And he turns around and he's, he's crying. crying. <laughs> and she's like, at first, she's like, oh, you're so fucking lame. Like, mm-hmm. don't lay it on fake. And then she realizes that it's not. That he it's, loves her. He loves his. She's special to him because how he found her. Mm-hmm. in the genocide of half her people <clears throat> which is awful but interesting no less he thinks that he saved her and showed her mercy and turned her into the fiercest woman in the galaxy yeah and which uh, is why he loves her so much yeah so he throws her off and throws she, her off the fucking cliff <laughs> she hits bam thanos wakes up in the water off of the lake of vormir and uh soul stone in hand Mm -hmm. and now shit is really picking up folks because he's got four of six and he's heading back to titan where he's going to come up against a team of guardians which was awesome because the guardians actually end up going to titan and they attack uh spidey and iron man and dr strange right and like they end up being like they didn't realize they were on the same team and quill's like where's gamora Mm-hmm. And Iron Man's like, well, I'll do you one better. Who's Gamora? And then Drax is like, I'll do you one even better. Why is Gamora? <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, God, of course, Drax. You know? I love Drax. So that scene is cool because it sets up this, like, slight bond, but they're still not on and the same page. And that was fun page. dynamics to witness for the first time. Like, Chris Pratt and... Robert Downey Jr. They're two alphas. Mm-hmm. Think about it, you know. Yeah, Will is his they're alpha. all they're all like got a certain level of alpha. And Strange know? is his own alpha, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're working on coming up with a plan, and Doctor Strange is sitting by himself, and Mantis is like, "Does your friend often do that?" And when they look at him, he's like twitching out and going all crazy, mm-hmm. and he comes out of it shocked. 
And he goes, I went into the future to see all alternate timelines of what, how this possibly could play out. Quill's how many like, were there? 14,605. <laughs> how many did we win? And I, when we were at the theater, under my breath, I just like... Everyone was like, one. I gulped. Like, one, it's going to be one. And then Strange <laughs> said one, and I was like, oh my God, this is awful and awesome all at once. Because that just means it's not good. It's not hanging out long. You right, know? right. So... They, at that point, know they have to come up with a plan to beat him. So while that's happening, go back. We're in Wakanda. The battle is going and raging and everything's going fucking crazy. And and, and the war is brewing and whatnot. And amidst the attack from the Outriders that showed up in those crazy ships, uh, Proxima Midnight and Cull Obsidian... Uh, breach into Wakanda with all these outriders. They open up the gates to Wakanda, and there's this epic battle ensuing. And while this epic battle is ensuing and all this crazy shit's happening, boom, the Bifrost shows up. And it's officially my favorite scene in the movie as far as awesome moments. Because when the Bifrost goes away, Thor is fucking standing there with Rocket on his shoulder and Groot by his side. And it's the fucking coolest moment. You're just like... Mm-hmm. holy fuck this is about to pop off and yeah. stormbreaker is just like a crazy lightning thrower of death mm-hmm. and thor is just epic badass motherfucker that he is whipping all sorts of ass mm-hmm. but scarlet witch gets a little bit silly and instead of guarding vision as they told her to do she jumps into the field as soon as she goes into the field Proxima Midnight calls Cull Obsidian, or not Cull Obsidian, calls Corvus Glaive back to attack Vision. Right. And they get into their final battle sequence, and Shiri doesn't get to get the Mind Stone out of him. And now things are really looking bad. Back on Titan. The team, the group of the conglomerates that you got there, the Guardians and Spidey and everybody and all this great moment. There's also a funny Peter Quill moment with Parker, Mm because he's like... Uh, tell him about the dance off to save the universe. Oh, Drax, the flash. Yeah. Drax, it's like, and Parker's like, like Footloose? Footloose, yeah. And Quill's like, yes, exactly like Footloose. Is it still the greatest like, movie? It never was. It never was. <laughs> it you never know, was. like, I, I loved that, you know, just like threw it under the bus. So they formulate this plan and they execute the plan. I just love Tom Holland as oh, so man. much. And he does such a great job. Again, I'm going to share He's my favorite Spider-Man. a tiny tidbit of knowledge. Uh, we'll, here in a few minutes when we get to the end of this. Um, so uh, to get back to it, Thanos shows back up on Titan. He realizes stuff is going out, down. Doctor Strange is there. He says, I assume the Maw is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it's on. They attack Thanos and they've got him. They want to try they're, to get the gauntlet. They're going to get the gauntlet off of him. And they damn near have it off. I mean, Peter had it off of him. And Quill fucks up. He let his heart lead him, which is a very Peter Quill thing to do. Mm-hmm. Think of all the loss Quill has suffered. Mm-hmm. And having to find out that Gamora is gone. Because, and I mean, you know, Mantis has Thanos in this trance and he's just like, I had to. You know, like all like crazy because he's like, it's just a part of the mission to him. Right. And and, and his ultimate mercy on the universe. He, he He's trying to be the savior of the fucking universe, mm-hmm. but he's the baddest dude in the universe. You know, it's right. it's a very interesting way to look at it. So ultimately it comes down to it. And uh, Quill says, you know, you killed her. 
you son of a bitch. And he starts just punching the shit out of Thanos and hitting him and stuff. And Which pulls him out of the mantis. He's back. Yeah. And as soon as he comes to, he grabs the gauntlet and gets it back on. And now it's fucked up time. Mm-hmm. And he throws Mantis and Parker goes and chases her. Interesting to note, Tom Holland didn't know a lot of facts about this movie. That can actually be heard in his dialogue when he's talking to certain people. Mm-hmm. Other than Stark, he never says anyone else's name. Ever. Mm-mm. In the whole movie, he never named. He didn't say, oh, oh well, he's Doctor Strange because he introduces him. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't call Quill, Quill, he doesn't call Gamora or any of those people, not Gamora, but Mantis, any of them. And actually when he's saving them in that moment when uh, Thanos has knocked them all out, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's like, I'll save you, 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 sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know any names. You know, right. <laughs> another funny moment from Spidey is when he's using the um, the portals from Doctor Strange to kick Thanos. And he's like, magic, magic again, magic with a kick. Yeah, I you loved know? it. Like, <laughs> it was just so He's my favorite Spider-Man. Whippy. He's the perfect Spider-Man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, back to Wakanda. No, because we're still in Titan and things Mm. get worse for everybody. And ultimately Stark is going down and it's looking like things are down for the count and Tony Stark's going to die. And strange says, I'll give you the time stone. Thanos is like, no tricks. He's like, I'll give it to you fair and clear. You can have it. Just Just let him leave. And if you'll remember earlier in the movie, Doctor Strange said, if it comes down to saving you, saving that kid or the Time Stone, I won't hesitate to save the Time Stone. Right. And all of a sudden, he doesn't hesitate to save Tony Stark, a guy who he barely knows? Mm-hmm. Why is that, V? Why do you think? Because <laughs> he saw the future, and that was, like he said, the only way. It's the only way. So everything, even Quill, fucking it up, Doctor Strange knew. Mm-hmm. He it was the only way. All of that was happening. He literally, to a T, watched it play out. Awesome moment with Doctor Strange where he made hundreds of himself. Mm-hmm. Except for Thanos uses the Soul Stone and the Power Stone to knock him out. Soul Stone locates the only real soul of all those decoys. Mm-hmm. Power Stone knocks him out of the air. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome because when he's using certain stones, they glow. Right. You know, and only at certain times. Ultimately, so Doctor Strange gives him the Time Stone. Back to Wakanda. Proxima Midnight is fighting Scarlet Witch and Akoya and Black Widow. She gets the fuck kicked out of her and taken out. Um, Banner is fighting Call Obsidian. He tries to bring the Hulk out. The Hulk says no. He (laughs) says, fine, you big green asshole. I'll do it myself. Call back to uh, Avengers Age of Ultron when Thanos Thanos. says, fine, I'll do it myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, so then it was nice to see Bruce stepping up in a different way. Yeah, he had to, mm-hmm. too. Interesting to note, I thought I saw a spoiler for the movie before I like right before we started watching it. Mm-hmm. I'm scrolling on Facebook and I've got the pop vinyl groups that I'm still in. And somebody posted a pop vinyl that's from this movie. Mm-hmm. And Which it's, one? it's Hulk busting out of the Hulkbuster armor. Oh, so you thought it was going to be a spoiler. It, it didn't happen in the movie. No. At all. Uh, so obviously we're building towards... Uh, Hulk being much more in tune with Banner uh, the next time we see him. Maybe we get Grey Hulk, actually. Like, the intellectual side. and they, I don't they know. It would be cool to see them build something different with I like with how him. Hulk's character is evolving as well. Also, also true. So he uses Hulkbuster to throw Call Obsidian into the Wakandan uh, force, field. force field. And he gets burnt and destroyed and whatnot. Everyone cheers, hooray. And everyone thinks things are cool. 
Corvus Glaive almost beats Vision, but with Cap's help, Vision kills Corvus Glaive. Mm -hmm. So now the entire Black Order has been taken out. Mm -hmm. The Avengers disposed of him like it was nothing. And there's a calm. And Vision feels off. And Cap's like, get ready, everyone. And here's the fucking holy shit times of times because Thanos is here. And he's using the fucking gauntlet like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Here comes Hulkbuster at him. He just lets Hulkbuster phase through him like it's nothing. Yeah. Throws and destroys fucking Falcon. Crumples uh, War Machine. Knocks out Captain America who... Another thing about Cap is... Think about how strong Captain America was. He was holding back fucking Thanos with five of the six stones in the gauntlet. He's pretty fucking strong. That's crazy (laughs) to think about, you know. He's a super soldier. So, um, Thanos shows up right as Scarlet Witch is starting to take out Vision and and destroy the Mind Stone within him. And he's like, we're out of time. It's the only way. It's the Mm -hmm. only way to save the universe. And she's sad. And and as she's fucking uh, using her fucking powers, Thanos is coming at her and she's holding him back. Again, mm-hmm. showing how powerful Scarlet Witch can become. Like, they're really diving into her power ability, holding Thanos back. And eventually, boom, Vision mm-hmm. explodes. And you're just like, holy fuck, they just killed yet another major character. Mm-hmm. Son of a bitch. And I didn't, though. Because I was like, yeah, but Thanos has the time I stone. I know. And he hasn't That's used why it I yet didn't, in the movie. I, I didn't feel like I was emotionally involved in this movie just because... Of the concept of a time stone. But the time stone doesn't necessarily guarantee everybody can come back because, again, Loki's dead. They can't take the time stone and time stone all the way back to before that because then they have to live through Thanos again. You know what I'm saying? So certain deaths have to stay fixated in time because the time stone wasn't at play at that point. Mm -hmm. So Thanos can only control so much of that time. So he, he hadn't used that feature at all on the gauntlet so far in the movie because he didn't have the stone towards until towards the end. So he finally uses the gauntlet and he turns back time to Vision and Scarlet Witch is screaming no and he knocks her out and he rips the fucking stone out of Vision's head and he goes gray. And it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was fucking savage and dark and awesome. And then he's got all six. (laughs) And oh shit, oh no. What are we going to do? Well, you think it's all done. Thor out of fucking nowhere buries Stormbreaker right into the fucking chest of Thanos. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, Thanos might actually be dead from this. Like, this is fucking bad. And Except he should have went for the head. You should have went for the head. And he snaps his fingers mm-hmm. and exists. Why couldn't he have just fucking chopped the dude's arm off? My God. I don't know. Think Thor, think. Well, because they're in the, the arm with the gauntlet. Just chop it off. Yeah, it's smart. Yeah, that's what I would have done. (laughs) But who knows? Uh, So he snaps his fingers. And as he snaps his fingers, because again, the the thing is in his chest. He snaps his fingers, and instead of him just like, everything's done, everything's cool, he goes into an orange space. And this, I want to bring this up to you. It's very important. He's in this orange bubbly space. Mm -hmm. And there's one other thing embodying that whole space. And it's little Gamora. The, yeah. the embodiment, the spirit of Gamora. Mm-hmm. His little girl is in this space, meaning Gamora dead? I don't think so. I think she's actually in the soul, the soul stone. stone, and she'll find a way out. She's one of the ones I think that's safe from permanent death. 
There are some others. I don't think so. I said, like I said, Loki's, Loki's gone. definitely gone. Heimdall's Heimdall's gone. Definitely gone. Vision, probably definitely gone. Unless, mm-hmm. unless Shiri can use the, the information to synthetically create a new Mind Stone to put in him. Vision. To bring him back. Uh, I'm, it's 50-50 for me. We'll it, see. We'll see. Exactly. We will see. see. We're uncertain. Uh, obviously, we learned that Ant-Man and Hawkeye both have taken deals and are going to be on house arrest and stay away mm-hmm. from they've pretty much retired right so we don't have to worry about them we can just catch them and Ant-Man thanos and is like when he when we get back to thanos and the soul stone he's like oh shit i'm, I'm not i'm there's, not dead there's not a cavity in my chest that means i'm dying mm-hmm. this is good this is great okay cool so he had the time to heal and but then we go back to everything else because he you know he actually Snap! It, after the snap, it comes back to him, still in the same space with his the axe in his chest, mm. and he, the gauntlet's all fucked up looking. And then he uses the power stone, meaning the gauntlet, or he uses the space stone, meaning the powers, the gauntlet. The works, gauntlet still works. And yeah. he phases away, and as he phases away, shit starts to get really weird because Bucky says, "Steve," and just goes into nothing. He disappears, and then Falcon disappears. Turns to ash. And Akoya's laying there, and Black Panther says, Now is not the time to die. And then he disappears. Mm -hmm. And then everything's fucked up. And then we go to Titan. And oh, also a lot of Wakandans disappearing, right? Yeah. And you're seeing this, like, just like, what the fuck? Scarlet Witch disappears. Mm -hmm. You know, Vision is dead, but Scarlet Witch disappears. And then we go to Titan. And Drax is starting to disappear after Mantis disappears. Yeah, that was sad. And Ugh, then, Titan was the saddest part of the movie. And then Stark says, keep it together, Quill. And Quill goes, oh, man. And he disappears. Mm-hmm. And the one that hurts the most. And of I'll course. explain why. Spidey. You know why it hurts more? He has spider sense. Everyone mm-hmm. else didn't know what was happening until mm-hmm. right at the very last second. Mm-hmm. He was feeling everyone else dying before. And didn't mm. know what was coming, and then actually was physically oh, feeling sucks. himself blink out of existence because of spider sense. Yeah, I felt like they went a little too cheesy during that scene. It kind of made me mad. Man, like, ugh, he, it took me out of it a little bit. Oh, it didn't. It, it got me because it was like, oh, perfect. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want Mr. Stark. I don't want to go. You know, mm-hmm. and and then you know, it's uh, it's the scene we've seen in the trailer where Tony's just hand on face baffled nebula yeah because thanos did it and 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 nebula says thanos did it he's done it you know it's happened mm-hmm. and then we go back and thanos is there enjoying the sunrise enjoying the sunrise exactly like he what said. he wanted yeah exactly. yeah that was a, a harsh way to end the movie he's like all i want to do is uh wake up and enjoy a sunrise and rest and and bask in the enjoyment of a safe universe or uh, uh um what did he say not safe he used a different word a um grateful universe mm. yeah and uh and so then yeah that's the end of the movie yeah and they and, just oh. ended it like savages and the russos were even more savage because they set up what you thought was after credit by how they utilized their music cue mm-hmm. like oh mid credits happening and then oh yeah, wasn't. super rude. It and wasn't. then you, they made you wait till the end of the fucking credits. And those were long, lots they were and super lots of long. credits. I hate that they do but that. The end, the, like I love the little epilogues, but I really hate that they make you wait till the very end. Because at that point in the movie, I'm like, 
I've got like a large coke that's already in my body. I need to pee. I'm like, done. Pee. I just this need to go. Yeah. So. Uh, and credits. After credits is Maria Hill's voice. And she's talking to Nick Fury and they're in a car together and they're driving. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the car in front of them fucking wrecks. And they jump out and Maria Hill goes to check on the driver, but no one's there. What? Because they were blinked out of existence. And then there's an aer- a helicopter. And it fucking just wrecks into this building. And you're like, what the fuck? And uh, Nick Fury's like, code red. Not like something's definitely wrong. Mm-hmm. And he looks and Hill, Hill starts disappearing. to disappearing. And he's like, what the fuck? And he realizes what's going on. So he rushes to the car. And he grabs this beeper pager thing. <laughs> and he pushes activates this thing. It. And activates it. As he starts to disappear and say, motherfucker. <laughs> and then he's gone and the beeper hits the ground and it's sending dot 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 and then boom you get captain marvel's logo mm-hmm. and she's appearing so essentially the captain marvel movie is, i'm excited for that that movie's going to be set in 1990s mm-hmm. young nick fury two eyes we'll probably learn how he loses his one eye mm-hmm. uh we'll also probably have that movie be the point where brie larson gives him that pager and says look Right. If shit's bad enough. Because who else has a pager unless it's from the 90s? Exactly. Exactly. But she's going to say, look, if, if you ever need shit's me. bad enough, because I'm not going to be on Earth because I'm too strong for that. You guys are not going to face any threats right now that are worthy of me being here. I can go out into space and fight the scroll because that's what the movie's also going to be about. And uh, if you need me, though, push this and I'll come. And so I'm thinking her post credit will be literally her showing up on earth to see the pager no nick fury and looking for answers and that'll be the after credits to captain marvel i digress on that anyways okay okay yeah i could see it there, man there are a lot of things to think about uh the next avengers movie you could have the cast that was blinked out of existence in soul world where possibly yeah, yeah, soul world adam warlock could be before he officially makes his life appearance in guardians three he could be a spirit appearance first Mm -hmm. makes sense um as the guardian of the spirit world and then you've got you know there's a lot of different ways they could go with it because then you have a narrative where those guys are trying to escape soul world with adam warlock saying look there's only one way and it's going to demand a sacrifice and then you've got all the other avengers trying to undo what thanos did by coming together with captain marvel ant-man and hawkeye and all these people to go take the fight to Thanos one mm-hmm. last time. However the fuck they're going to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. So the narrative I feel like it's going to probably end with Captain America biting it. I think either Cap or Tony will have to sacrifice themselves to undo all of the deaths. Well, I feel like Tony already had his big almost death scene in Infinity War. But so I, it's Cap's turn. But I think that's the tease. I think that that was their way to gauge what the audience will do. When Tony dies, was by literally stabbing him in the chest in the movie and making you go, "Holy fuck, he's gonna fucking die!" And then they took it away from us. Yeah, I don't know. So I uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm really super fucking excited for um, the the next Avengers movie. I'm excited for Ant Man and the Wasp that comes out in July. Mm-hmm. Super yeah. stoked for Captain Marvel in March. Lots of great Marvel movies to look forward to. And I did really enjoy catching up, you know, with our exclusive Patreon stuff with the Road to Infinity War, listening to everybody's reviews leading up to this big movie that we've all been waiting for. 
Yeah. I thought it was it was really fun. It was fun, and it was a lot of work, and you know the movie was epic and huge, and this podcast yeah, it was worth is the epic wait. and huge, and lots of thoughts and theories and stuff and facts and whatnot. And obviously, you guys have heard some of the other guys talk about their opinions, and they gave spoilery reviews and thoughts and stuff. And I hopefully we didn't overly tread on each other's water too much, but we did it in kind of our own unique way. So I think this is going to be really fun experience for you folks as always i want to say you can check out the journey into comics podcast at journeyintocomics.com and on all the different podcasting platforms itunes podbean stitcher radio google play music and spotify just search journey into comics network you get all of our shows except for game addicts go to gameaddictspodcast.com or search game addicts podcast on all those podcasting platforms as well subscribe to them then you get some gaming news as well um, make sure to check Journey into Comics out on all the different social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Journey into Comics on your Facebook and your Instagrams and on Twitter, JIC Network, folks. Veronica, I want to say thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. It was fun. It was fun, and it's been a long, arduous journey to the Infinity War. Yeah, we've seen a lot of these movies together over the past few years, and um, I, I love it. Me too. Uh, it just feels like a couple things. Uh, now we're only just beginning because now we got to figure out what happens on the other side of this because it was complete movie, start, middle, end. Mm-hmm. Thanos won though, and then that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. Like Thanos wins. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Thanos wins. Fuck! Like fuck. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, what, well, what do we have to spin out from that? Where can we go from there? Yeah, How do we the tell fallout. stories? Obviously, Ant Man and the Wasp will be your movie that is as from you know Civil War to infinity war in the middle there and maybe somebody in that universe gets blinked out of existence that brings scott lang and company into the fold to the fight um, maybe hawkeye's family all disappears and he goes to fight because his whole family's disappeared you know uh, i don't know can't be retired if you got nobody to go home to that's awful <laughs> Jeez. i mean just keeping it <laughs> poor real. hawkeye you know well, I mean, he wasn't in the movie, so, you know. <laughs> even Jeremy Renner's like, oh, poor Hawkeye. Nobody likes Hawkeye, not even Hawkeye, <laughs> you know. So, um, no, but I love Hawkeye. I Jeremy love Hawkeye. And, and <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him. What'd he do? What did he do, you guys? <laughs> yeah. It's just because he uses a bow and arrow and everybody thinks that's lame. He's like the, <laughs> he, he's like the Aquaman of the Avengers, except uh, for it's not talking to fish, it's shooting a bow and arrow. Okay. It's a little old-fashioned, but... No, you know, this movie just does a really great job overall of giving you everything. I will say they don't tell you all the names of all the characters. Like you were talking about how the the Black Order doesn't get named completely. Only the one character does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you necessarily even needed to know their names because no. they were just like the fucking... You knew who they the were and what they were there for. The fucking Thanos, you know? The, right. The, the people that were there to fuck shit up. So mm-hmm. um, Kevin Feige today said 2025 is the end game as of right now oh, for the MCU. For the MCU. So, I mean, they don't, they're just saying. So like, they're putting a cap on it. No. They're saying right now their plans run. Oh, they've only developed until 2025. I see. Think about that. Because they're not ever going to let this show go. They're going to keep this going f- until they run out of money. I think people what you would do is at some point when like the well starts to run dry on the what you currently have with your characters because you can only run all these characters so long because these people will get old and die and stuff mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Well, you have to think by twenty twenty five, who's going to be owning what properties? What rights are going to be at what it's all theaters? Be at Disney. It's all yeah. It might all be Disney. I mean, there's so many different ways you can do it. I mean, especially if they get X Men, 
You know, we Which were talking about House of Men or House of M. <laughs> House of Men. Because you said House X-Men, of M. X Men. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things that Which House could of happen. M, how dope would it be to use that as your introduction point? Considering in that universe, mutants don't exist. So mm. maybe Scarlet Witch has made it to where mutants don't exist, and we don't know it. I don't know. I mean, the world is. It's the, the possibilities are endless. The possibilities <laughs> are definitely endless, but. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Ultimately, I'm going to say this movie was a 10 out of 10. Actually, it's a 15 out of 15. I'm going to go five (laughs) extra. Wow. Because it's three perfect movies in one movie. There are three separate narratives with three separate teams. You've got like Tony Stark and the Guardian story Mm -hmm. that is intertwined with Thor and the Guardian story. Then you've got the Wakanda story. And then overarching, you have Thanos' story. That all intertwine in such a beautiful way and coalesce and come together right. in such a meaningful manner. You know, think about like what's going to happen with Tony Stark when he and Nebula have to figure out how to get off Titan. Right. Because they're just there on Titan. Right. At, at first exactly. I thought to myself like Tony was there by himself. After the second watch, I was like, oh, Nebula's still there. So he's not totally just fucking stranded and a human stranded I on a foreign I forgot that planet. she was still there. Yeah. Yeah. She's there because she shows up and wrecks one of the ships from uh, fucking the Dark Aether or whatever in the fucking first Guardians movie. She wrecks it into oh, into, th- into Thanos, Thanos. Yeah, to I try remember to that. stop him. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was a great movie. I would recommend it, and I enjoyed talking about it for the past couple of months with everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know? we're we're finally um, we're finally moving on in our journey of Marvel, and I don't know where we're gonna go from here. But I'm really actually pretty excited. Because they, like you said, the possibilities are genuinely endless. So, again, thank you so much, V, for coming on today. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. You guys have heard from everybody else on the network now. We've recapped. They've recapped. We've given spoilers. They've given spoilers. We gave our (laughs) non-spoiler. They gave our non-spoiler. We mashed it all up into a blender. This is the episode you got. This was Journey into Comics. (laughs) Journey into Comics 189. Journey into Comics 189. Infinity War. I've been Nate. I'm Veronica. And as always, folks, uh, use that Infinity Gauntlet to fill your brain with shit.